Hi, this is a reminder that DuckFest is happening on August 31st, 2019 in Portland, Oregon. A full day of duck feed and guests doing podcasts. Go to duckfeed.tv slash duckfest, buy a ticket, come on out. We would love to see you there. We're going to be at a cool place too, the Clinton Street Theater. Once again, duckfeed.tv slash duckfest and thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to the Watch Out for Fireballs dispatch episode for July. Yes, uh, where we uh, read your quest, answer your questions and prompts, talk about a long form topic, and then read your responses to July's games. Uh, yes. And stick around toward the end because we're going to reveal what we're playing in September. September. Uh, like the song. Mm. All of the songs. Yeah, lots of them. From from uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire to Green Day. To uh, Big Star. Yes. To Big Star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah September Girls. Yeah. Oh, so, shit. Uh, yeah. Know, of... September Girls. No. Yeah. I just, <laughs> they just fade, just fade into a cloud of smoke. <laughs> ah. the, uh, yeah, all of our, our culture's greatest uh, poet laureates. Yeah. Um, what about the poet lariat? Mm-hmm. Like as like an a, a rope, you know. <laughs> like I, I thought it was like our best poet named Lawrence. No, 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 no. The poet Lariat. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just like capture a fucking go out and uh, wrangle us some Whitmans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been gathering these leaves of grass, and and uh, ding 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 ding. Yeah. Poet Lariat. There's something there. Joke it. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get started here. Yeah. Um, I'll start us out here with Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says, I have recently cheesed the demon of hatred in Sekiro. Good. Uh, it felt good to beat that piece of shit by any means. It felt very good. Which cheat or cheese uh, that you've done in a game has given you the most satisfaction? And then he also says he liked the Tetris episode. Thank which, you. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, um, keeping it in the Souls arena, uh, me not realizing there was another part of Blighttown for so long was probably my favorite. You could mm. consider that cheesing that area, <laughs> what I yeah, did. Yeah, just like skipping it. Yeah. <laughs> no. I I will say one that is extremely commonly accepted and also in Souls just because we only talk about a couple games we mentioned. Right. But uh, everyone does the, the, the reset for a bed of chaos. You know, you, you get one of the nodes. And then you turn off the game and it respawns you at the beginning rather than having to walk out past the the pits and the arms. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not exactly a cheese, but it is kind of a little bit of a cheat cheese. And I will take that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nine times out of ten, you know. I have never uh, I have never fought Ceaseless Discharge on his own terms. Oh, yep. Same. Yeah. Same. Yep. And that, that's definitely like a, a little bit of a cheese method. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's, de- there's definitely uh, definitely some things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember doing a cheese uh, in my first playthrough or my second playthrough of Demon Souls. There's a place you can get um, a Flame Lurker, 
where he can't hit you. Oh, around those, uh, like the big logs of the rib cage or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just kind of stand back and, and hurl spells at him. And remember when Flame Lurker was hard? <laughs> was the hardest boss in the, the fucking series. Yeah. For a long time. And man eaters. And now, quaint. Yeah. Um, oh, time, time keeps. What would you do <laughs> with the thing you were wrong? Um, <laughs> So mostly those are the games that I cheat, like cheese. And then uh, I will do, I can't think of a specific example, but I have certainly done, I guess like another cheat, um, getting past the sewers and uh, bloodlines. Oh yeah. Like I will, I throw on no clip and just beeline for the end of it. Yeah. Um, Again, more torsos. Yeah. 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 The torsos. I want some torsos. (laughs) Um, Generally cheeses involve uh, more work than actually addressing the thing you're just trying to get past something onerous um you know any number of uh cheeses that i've done in rpgs uh that have shortcutted that that have reversed the work prospect um either with exploitable farming spots things like that just like i just i just need enough resources to get past this yeah 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 and there 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 are you know i'm sure there are more than not thinking about like ai loops and stuff but those are the ones that stand out yep yeah yeah, um, I'm going to do two and a quarter questions. We uh, a couple months ago, Jake uh, asked what the best version of Hitman to buy is. Uh, probably PC if your PC can run it. Although it works just fine on PS4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and well, I mean, not least of which because you're going to want to get all those little upgrades and whatever, and those go on sale a lot more frequently on PC. Yes, you can do the, uh, the what is that website like? Is there a deal? Yep. Uh, you love, know, and love just, that uh, site. Yep, <laughs> it's a really good service. Yeah. Uh, so get onto that and just, uh, yeah, I would buy it on PC if you can run it. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Marcus asks long or short form question, but how pivotal is the first game you play or remember playing to shaping your overall perspective on games? Uh, how much is also influenced by consult or technology limitations, life situations and individual mindsets, like how a young child playing a game has a fundamental different experience than a teenager. Yeah. I, the, um, you know, the, the, there's part of this question that I, I didn't quite understand, mm-hmm. but the, I, mean, I guess like I'm taking this as speak to the difference in how you might think about a game, depending on when you come to it. Yeah. You know, so like it is different, you know, and we, we talk about this all the time, like having unlimited time as a kid meant hunting down all the blorps, yep. you know, and Captain Blorps, fantastic blorp venture. <laughs> and then like get, you know fighting uh both the the optional weapons in final fantasy 7 things like that like it just made sense because you know we had unlimited like kid patience and yeah. that you know i think for me kid patience went on an arc for uh difficulty when i was young mm-hmm. you know i had like kid patience for difficulty and then difficulty for tedium mm-hmm. uh as i became a teen and now i am uh not kid patient yes. anymore that was my life cycle of that yeah um I, you know, I, I pro- probably a really similar arc for me, honestly. Um, you know, I just, uh, another reading this, of this question might possibly be, might possibly be like, okay, you know, to speak generally about people, you know, different generations of they, you know, what they, what they come to, I can only speak to my own experience getting started on, you know, NES, um, mm-hmm. and you know, an Intel 25 or whatever we had at the house, uh, when I was little playing commander Keen and Wolfenstein 3d, um, things like that. I can only speak to mine. I think that 
something that I've noticed, at least in my family, is that younger family members don't necessarily have a problem going backwards, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of generation. Like they can sit down, you know, I've got a I've got a little sister who was born 11 years after me and she, you know, has just as had just as much fun playing zombies at my neighbors with my dad as I did, you know, mm. stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I can't speak to how much that does change it. You know, for when you yeah. are, for when you get for you, when you get into it, I don't think there is like a, um, like a black and white and color movie divide for that. Where no matter, no. How, no matter how good the movie is, somebody born into color films is going to have to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it just kind of depends on your particular sensitivities, whether you can move kind of forward or backwards Yeah, along that, you know, and then what, what axes. So I think that it's just like, I don't think there's a general no. general sense of that like there is kind of the right game for the right time mm-hmm. the same way that there are games that where i had super kid patience yeah you know and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna beat battletoads and i'm like get on your fucking life <laughs> um you know am i gonna sit down and beat battletoads as a kid i would do it um but there are probably things that uh i like now and oh, i mean i know there are that like i like now that i would find boring yeah um as a kid or or not see the point of you know yeah um i remember the first time i tried to play uh you know, I, I had a, a little tiny like Toshiba satellite Windows 3.1 laptop uh-huh. and I would uh, I worked overnight at a tow truck dispatch place and would spend uh, a couple hours before work downloading games and putting them on floppy disks mm-hmm. from home of the underdogs and then trying them out at work Oh yeah, on this little laptop because I worked overnight and it was slow. Right. Um, and that was a really like fun summer. That's like a really positive memory for me. Um, and I got into, uh, you know, everyone was like, you know, the greatest, you know, the greatest PC game of all time for like low, low computer requirements was rogue mm-hmm. or NetHack rather. And I tried that and I could not do it right at all. Like I was just in my early twenties. I was more into like, I at that time I could do something Twitch based and I could do something turn based, mm-hmm. but I could not do something that lacked persistent progress. I could not do something like learning could not be the. The progress I made. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's something I can get into now. And now, yeah. like, roguelikes and, and, and you know, rogue structures for games are one of my favorite structures for games. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was a thing where it was important when, when that game came to me. Mm-hmm. No. So, yeah. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, Patrick says, uh, had this thought recently, wanted to pass around this potential for uh, potential for discussion. What the fuck is up with Detective Vision? How has this become so u- such a ubiquitous game mechanic in big-budget RPGs and the like? I use the term mechanic loosely because I don't think I've seen it used in any way outside of a glorified hidden object puzzle. It's tedious and uninteresting. Do people like hidden object puzzles that much? Detective Vision, uh, to me, seems like a thinly-veiled attempt at masquerading uh, a visual technology showcase as an abysmally limp experience in gameplay. And to be frank, I've had quite enough of that shit. Say no to Detective Vision. I love this. Go, uh, <laughs> vote, vote no on, <laughs> on Prop 314. Yeah. Um, it, it is, I think, I, I think Patrick's right. It doesn't bother me as much, but I think it is just like a, it's essentially the same thing as like the, um, the little arrow or, or quest marker or what have you. It's a crutch. Which is on like a, it's a crutch for like a micro scale thing. Um, it is not particularly, game, like it does lend itself to tasks. Mm-hmm. Like, as opposed to puzzles. Yes. Um, totally agree. Yeah. Like, you I, know. I'm so. trying to inter- interrogate my feelings because, you know, one of my favorite games that I've played in the past several years, Hitman 2016, leans pretty hard on a version of this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know how to speak to what makes this, what makes this different other than you are deploying it for a short burst of time, as opposed to in the kind of er example with Batman, where, you know, they actually had to take, you know, pretty, pretty strong measures to stop you from just living it. Just doing it all the time. Yeah. It, well, there, there's difference in efficacy. So the mm-hmm. hitman version will just highlight a person, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it, the it doesn't give you that. I mean, I guess that's that's really just the big one, yeah. right? Like, is it just sh- lets you find a person through a three D map? That feels like the Hitman one feels like an affordance to playing from a third person perspective in an area with lots of walls. Yeah, you know, because it would be obnoxious if there were like two hallways between you and this person, and you just had to constantly you know search <laughs> for them. Right. Like, it, 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 this is instead of having like a three D map or something else you reference mm-hmm. for that. Um, the Batman version, the thing that is fr- frustrating to me is like, it's a way of, um, expressing avatar capability while asking nothing of the player no. and the way they do that, um, like the good detective vision things in Batman, the ones I don't mind, I basically treat as cutscenes. like Batman's going to look at this bullet trajectory. He's going to look at this like blood spatter pattern and tell me a little thing no. and going into detective vision for that rather than just walking up and clicking a doesn't feel that much worse. Yeah. The reliance on uh, here's detective vision to follow the, the scent of this perfume or the scent of the cigar or the, the, you know, this aerosol or whatever. Just give you a trail to walk through yeah. is a little bit frustrating to me because I think that would be something that can be done a lot more interestingly, you know, uh, just by having you follow landmarks <clears throat> or or follow those, those clues as a player. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm not expecting myself to figure out blood spatter analysis. <laughs> right. But I could look for blood uh, on on the corners of things without assistance. Right. You know, or something like that. And it, may, it might be kind of a pain to do so, but they design it so it's not a pain, you know. The, see, make that, the, that's a smaller, smaller scale thing. You know, make it like – so the in Batman, it's always like here's a here's a city block between each blood splatter. So you mm-hmm. need to have the detective vision. What if it was uh, – you, you're just tracking somebody through an apartment or something. Yeah. You know, I could look through like four or five rooms and look for the blood splatter mm-hmm. and try to figure things out. And you can still have Batman do the commentary as you go. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and just not have it automatic. And, and and what if you're always tracking Batman's uh, famous villain, Sanguinarius, the man with unlimited blood? Yeah. 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 Like uh, it just keeps coming. Yep. Just he a real gusher. Blood. Yeah. He gives blood. <laughs> yeah. That's his superpower. That's how he finances his crimes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> one, one glass of orange juice at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just tosses cookies at you. Yeah, I'm so sick of these. <laughs> I'll be on raisin yeah. again. Let me get my plasma rifle. <laughs> um, <laughs> something else uh, that irritates me about uh, Detective Vision is that um, a lot of the times I see it used uh, to highlight items that you uh, can or interact with or uh, ways forward. That to mm-hmm. me seems like a way to bridge uh, an artificial way to bridge the gap between art design, level design and play, which should be more naturally integrated than just pressing a button that says make sense of the space for me. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you should like you should design it so you can see. Yeah, design it so you, know you can see. You, you know, make the level so that it naturally guides your attention uh, to the right thing. Um, you know, thinking you you haven't played these games, Gary, uh, but uh, the Uncharted games are fantastic for this. 
in terms mm. of in terms of the cues that they put forward like something that you can climb on is always going to be colored yellow because of a yeah. sign that is that is there or there's going to be like a road sign that is pointing at it things like that and it just kind of fades into the mesh and that is excellent design um obviously yeah. valve is incredibly good at this i feel like you know just like hey highlight everything that i can interact with um you know as a button is just a way to get over those yeah it's just a way to get over those deficiencies without actually solving the problem in a holistic yeah. or integrated way yeah agreed yeah you know like it's not like all designed and there's also i mean ultimately you know we're responding to this question in good faith i don't think either of us are as mad about this as patrick is like no, we didn't co-author no. a bill or anything <laughs> so it's like i agree with these this criticism ultimately i feel like the games that lean on this a lot of the time are more interested in something else. Yeah. So this just kind of like gets you past the part they're not interested in. Yeah. Would it be better if the that part were more robust and cool? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, does it sink the game? No, because Batman's not really about that. Like it is cheap. It does like bridge that gap artificially, but it's an excuse to get you to the next like cutscene or navigation puzzle or combat yeah. encounter. You know, it's just like those are the things the game is about. So mm -hmm. it's a... Uh, you know, it's a little, it is frustrating though. Yeah. Like it is uh, not as good. And I wish there was more like things that didn't do it. Yeah. I wish there were things more like they were actually about observing your environment and, uh, and kind of seeing things, you know, looking around and that's very rare in games mm -hmm. actually. Yeah. Just being a detective. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Might as, might as well do this one. Uh, Colorac says, uh, this question not only applies to video games, but I feel that video games are the most prevalent way to ask about it. Lately, it feels like there's less and less thing to be passionate about or excited for, and it feels easier than ever to slip into a very cynical worldview of not just the industry, but of games overall. I was wondering if either of you deal with something like this, and if so, how do you overcome it? Antidepressants. <laughs> the, no, uh, the, um, if you're taking just gamer antidepressants, yep. like just like antidepressant fuel, yeah. uh, you're just slamming like a little yeah. lightning bolt on the pill. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's Olaf Code Red. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, you know that the, so specifically about games rather than just like how to deal with being a cynical worldview. Right. Like I was thinking about. Um, one of, one of the things, and this is, uh, you know, just forgive me for being me about mm -hmm. this, but when I was noticing how bad the dungeons in Final Fantasy V were uh -huh. and thinking about how uh, – and I want to actually, like, spend some time looking into this, like, actually find some archives and stuff. But I was like, I don't remember any of my friends who loved these games ever being like the dungeons are tedious slogs. I don't remember ever reading that the, the dungeons were tedious slogs, like, when uh -huh. I read reviews of these games. Like, no one was ever, like – these dungeons are just mazes to give you more random encounters, right? you know, because th that's what they are. Um, and I was thinking, like, now I think I would see that, yeah. you know, in a review. Like, not only am I being the change I want to see in the world, but I would see people kind of complaining about that. So I think, like, in a very real way, games, like, <laughs> our standards for games and the breadth and kind of quality of a game has gone up, like, immeasurably. Mm-hmm. Which is one way that I would not be cynical. Yeah. Like the, you know, like, yes, triple A games uh, are, there's a stagnation there that people are right to criticize. Um, that's fine. It's such, at this point, it feels like a small piece of the pie. Yeah. When Nintendo is literally having like indie developers create their own spins on their properties and stuff like that. Like, yeah. we, we, we are in this golden age of like middle class indie. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like not, um, you know, not strictly independent, not like, uh, you know, ex- extremely small scale stuff, which there's tons of that stuff. Yeah. But most people don't don't know about it, even if it's just what Devolver puts out. Yeah. Um, phenomenal games. And there's tons of them. And they're on like every system. So like it's hard for me to be cynical if I look at the entirety of gaming and much, you know, which I think is just kind of improved, like our breath. And our standards and everything like that has gotten so much better. Yeah. Uh, so that is a good cure for cynicism for me. Like there's just like a lot out there that is just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, if you if you just look to your left or right a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, I um, it's not one of the ways that I fight this, but something that I, that, that that I find helps me. Um, you know, every couple of months I will go on to a, go on to Google and just do a search like, hey, what what games are coming out? in 2019 and usually the big sites maintain big lists or retailers will have lists and i just open up a calendar and i say oh yeah uh mario maker 2 is coming out this day i just have that as a banner on the on the on the calendar um and for me like if it's a matter of like okay what is there to look forward to even (laughs) even if i'm not going to get around to playing these games because of because of homework um it still kind of paints a picture where there is always something like just around the corner if i decided to get excited about it you know um Mm. and like good things that i'm already interested in either because they're continuations from good developers um or they just have an incredibly good elevator pitch that i heard talked about on a podcast or mentioned you know in a in in a write-up from some show or another um it's really hard to feel very cynical or feel like the hobby is drifting away from me when there is just kind of like a measurable amount of stuff that feels 100 percent on my alley yeah. 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 There's a, there's there's effectively unlimited games. Yeah. Uh that exist now that are that are great and are totally up your alley mm-hmm. like no matter who you are. Yes. And effectively infinite coming out like the actual race is against time and is against when you die. It's not mm-hmm. about a, you'll never feel a breathness of breathness of quality content mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah. Um and just like kind of knowing that stuff's coming out and like you know that is again yeah, good way to, to battle cynicism. Yeah. You know? Um, and the other side of this is maybe it's not worth battling it. it you might just be entering a season where you're going to take a break from games for a couple of years. Why mm-hmm. Why would you – I mean, please please continue patronizing us and listening to us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you heard Unfilmable? Yeah. It, it's not about video games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, have a, we have a handful of those on here. Um, yeah. No, but I mean just both you and I, Gary, have had times where we've just kind of drifted away and done and done other stuff. Um, and that can be okay and has to be okay too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's perfectly fine. Nothing is stopping, you know, nothing is forcing you to play games. If you're not feeling it, mm-hmm. um, take a break. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, come back when you're interested. If nothing, if nothing's speaking to you, that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I have like a little bit of an existential crisis if I'm sitting down to play like games and just like nothing feels good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just kind of like, oh man, like I feel like I want the experience of, of having a good feeling playing a video game, but mm-hmm. none of it's giving it to me. Yeah. And then I go and I read a book and I feel amazing. Yeah. Like I go and just like lay down. <laughs> You know, lay down in bed or go to a coffee shop and and read a book. And just I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so like th- it's it's very hard for me to be cynical. Like I actually, you know, love this this medium. And I think that it is uh, like literally getting better all the time. It's a fantastic time to be into this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we've and, been saying that and, for a decade now. So, yeah. And, and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a fantastic time to be in everything. Like, we live, as far as media goes. As we like, and a hard caveat. Media, <laughs> yeah, hard caveat. We are living in, like, an absolute golden age. Yeah. And uh, you will run out of stuff that is worth, you know, experiencing before you die. It's not mm-hmm. the other way around. Yeah. 
So, you know, I don't like I cannot be cynical in the face of that personally. No, no. And I'm not calling you out for that. Just saying that, like, that's what I use. Yeah. Um, I think this one will be a quick one. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander McConnell says, why are so many RPGs in the fantasy genre? Is there something about swords and sorcery that makes it jive with crunchy character progression gameplay? Is it because of D&D? Are there literary genres, fantasy, sci-fi, spies, that just fit uh, certain gameplay tropes better, such as RPG, FPS, strategy, uh, etc.? Um, big D&D is a big part of it. D&D, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, which you know, like there's like a line, which is like Lord of the Rings to D&D to all fantasy yeah you know especially all fantasy video games um mm-hmm. you know so D is a huge part of it um it took a long time for like you know games role-playing games on the computer followed basically the arc of tabletop games as well mm-hmm. uh and the same way that those all started out as fantasy and that took time for like cyberpunk to come along or call of cthulhu or other kind of genre things to come along yeah the same thing with video game versions of it yeah you know so there are sci-fi rpgs like you know fantasy star is a fairly old series mm-hmm. um it's just similar to to uh you know cyberpunk or Shadowrun's share of the market on tabletop too like mm-hmm. it's smaller and yeah. uh there's it's like less frequent mm-hmm. you know? so yeah. i think dnd like is really like the big answer for that yeah even even on the console side ever since you know arguably a little bit final fantasy 4 but final fantasy 6 as uh, as well they have been mixing around and dabbling with um you know contemporary technology um and you know different kind of things like final fantasy has not been strictly fantasy for quite a while yeah i i don't even know when or what kind of world like a final fantasy 15 is supposed to be in Right. Like if you, if you just look at a glance of it, it's like, well, everyone's using swords, but also they're driving around in like a, a car and like mm-hmm. it's just a melange at this yeah. point. Like none of those those genre things are meaningful mm-hmm. to to a lot of RPGs mm-hmm. now. It's just kind of like here's some stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's barely even a setting. Yeah. Like I, I also think the uh one one of the bigger dividing lines is guns. Yeah, um, yeah. Put it putting you know, any any kind of setting that has a gun, um it's going to be <laughs> let alone a gun rack um yeah, yeah uh <laughs> it's going to be a hard sell to say hey your character is going to use a gun but you are not going to be aiming down the sights of it yeah you know yeah. um and then as far as like literary genres matching up to uh different gameplay uh genres like sure yeah you know like things that th- literary genres that have a lot of uh combat in them are going to lend themselves to more combat based video game genres yep and vice versa, like if it is a genre like a spy thing, um, you know, combat, it's it's going to lend itself more to a stealth game because mm-hmm. in that, you know, in that genre, like it is sneak around until you can't uh, try to get the drop on people. And that's how you get your your alphas protocols and your Metal Gear solids, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if you, if the game is about running up and or the genre is swords and sorcery, like you can bet that you're just going to engage directly with the enemy with either a sword or a sorcery <laughs> um, in some cases a sorcery. Mm. Uh, if it is uh, in that one not, case, if you're, if you're playing with Super case. Brothers, yeah, yeah. If you, depending on how good your brothers are, yeah, <laughs> you might engage with a sorcery. Um, the uh, yeah, so yeah, D and D. this is basically it. D and D. Um, let's see here. Holland says Nintendo's mobile efforts have been a mixed bag, baby. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you could choose what genre of game and what franchise to pull from. Uh, what would you have Nintendo's next mobile game be? My answer is going to be really simple, um, and it would be the easiest one for them to do. Bring me Kirby's epic, uh, not epic yarn. What is that? Shit, the cursed canvas. Canvas yeah, curse. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> you heard him. Give him a, up a yarn. Yep. yep. <laughs> 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 Virtual D-pad, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey's paw yeah. curls. No, give, yeah. give, give me uh, give me canvas curse. Uh, that would be the easiest thing to do. I think that it would get a lot of positive attention, um, <laughs> you know, on a, on a mobile market. Um, yeah, that, 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 that is what I would like. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah. Um, as far as Nintendo things, I don't, um, you know, other than than that, like, I think that that's a really good answer. Mm-hmm. I think some of the, you know, I liked Mario Run quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I don't care about a virtual D-pad Dr. Mario that they put out on it. I think, like, a lot of, like, the big puzzle examples are not going to be great. I think something like Mario Run, like, something mm-hmm. that actually takes a mobile genre yeah. and adapts their property is a better idea. Mario run so, is so much deeper than people give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Mario <laughs> runs extremely, I mean, for like, it's the only $10 iPhone game I've ever played, bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't go super deep on the kingdom building stuff, which I'm like, I don't love. Yeah. Um, in that game, but like there is uh there is a lot more to it. Yeah. I like, was just so, thinking of, I was just referring to the ascending coin challenges, you know, yeah, getting to yeah. the blue and the red and black coins. Yeah. 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 It's a good game. Like it is a legitimately good game. Yeah. Um, I think something like that, like something that is a, not necessarily an endless runner, but something that is a genre that we know works Mm -hmm. uh, on phone and then adapting it. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what that would be. You know, as far as the the big Nintendo three, like I have affection for the aesthetics of Mario, Link and Metroid. Mm -hmm. So, oh, uh, actually, never mind. I have my answer. It's punch out. No, no. Do, do, do punch out, but like, you know, with the, uh, yeah, erase everything I said that was like thoughtful and, and correct and just say, give me a punch out. That's basically infinity blade, but better. And I don't have to deal with infinity blade aesthetics. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Give me punch out. Punch out is a good one. Yeah. Punch out, punch out, <laughs> punch out. I want, I want a new punch out regardless, like very badly. Yeah. Uh, punch out is good folks. Yeah. Um, I think this is probably I'm going to switch this over and it's probably a good time to move on from games Mm -hmm. after this just so we get other stuff. And this is actually an easy one. Um, Skipping skipping a couple here. Uh, Samuel Skidmore says, how do you approach sharing your personal flawed gem games, i.e. games that you love with obvious problems? For example, I have a soft spot for the JRPG Okagi uh, due to its Burton-esque style and charming writing. Despite this, I know the combat and and dungeons are mediocre at best. So what I do is trick podcast hosts, and I mentioned on the QA episodes, you tricked nothing, Samuel Skidmore. I read this beforehand and chose to it. So you have fallen into my trap, not the opposite. I'm not locked in here with you. You, sir, locked in here with me. Um, I So I this is I, the reason why I want to answer this one is because I uh, stopped doing this. Yep. And I don't, uh, you know, I, I will I will sing the praises of, like, Torment and say, like, you have to really, really, you know, you have to play it. Like, mm-hmm. but I... I don't uh, try to convince anybody in person yeah. to do things like this. I, I just I'll use the platform, but I I just kind of don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, if somebody if something is kind of tricky, I'll be like, I'll let somebody come to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably because of my job, but I don't actually like evangelize a whole lot of games. I don't evangelize people. a whole lot of media in person, right? Like I'll yeah. make cases for like, hey, the Dark Tower books are pretty good, but that but again, that is just me using using the platform, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. uh, it's just uh, uh, um, <laughs> recommendations feel like time violence, uh, even yep. if they are they have the best uh, the best intentions at heart, you know, yeah. and using the platform, I feel like, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, talking about the games in context, especially when something else reminds us of them or giving them their week in the spotlight on the show, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, like. If there is a recommendation or if there is, you know, me forcing something on somebody else, it is me advocating for us to play something here on the show. And it is you and me, 
but that is yeah. a different dynamic, you know? Yeah. And I can't, I can't say whether the reason why I, I don't do this in person very much is because of, uh, of that. But I think as like one of the things as I've gotten older, I just kind of know like my buddies, my, my real life buddies, like what kind of stuff they dig a little bit more, mm -hmm. you know? So if it's something that I think is going to go <laughs> against that, right? Like, so Brayton, yes. uh, Brayton Cameron, uh, my friend in yours, he, uh, he loves, um, like a lot of like loot based games. He does, he'll do like clickers and he'll do uh like diablo likes and he'll do like monster hunter yeah online like you know the things he gets into are, are fairly unpredictable to me but they tend to be things that have a um like a strong loot kind of component to them yeah you know and uh i just know like if i if there's a game like even it's not because it's not like brayton doesn't like good stories and games and stuff like that but i just know that if a game is not going to have that kind of aspect to it and just has a really good story like i'm not going to push him on it yeah you know he plays you know he he works full time and he has a relationship and he has hobbies and stuff like that like he doesn't have unlimited time mm -hmm. for me to just foist you know 30 hours on him right you know and and the, the secret is nobody does yeah like you know no, nobody really has that time like somebody might if they're looking for something to play like yes but i let that kind of thing be an invite only you yeah. kind of thing like hey i'm look. what should i play like derek every once in a while will text me and be like what should you what should i play mm -hmm. and i'll be like oh this is good like i played yeah, this recently yeah. Yep. you know check it out and but i i don't i don't try to get i don't try to get them to play out yeah and and i think that, that that is probably the best like you know the best case scenario for this kind of thing like if you're talking about sharing your flawed gems with with, with people um i don't know just build up enough trust uh with mm -hmm. them that they will a come to you and b give give, give something a chance uh and like i think a big thing about this like if you are going to make, make a recommendation uh do not um in any way imply that if they put it down they are going to hurt your feelings yeah um, yeah that i think yeah. is also is is a little bit of a big deal i don't think that you are doing this i don't know you but it's just <laughs> it's I, yeah it's probably it's a, a rare thing yeah like it, yeah it's a thing a thing that has happened yeah yeah you know? So and it just uh yeah you know, don't don't and, uh, don't attach an awful lot of like relationship equity to them following through on the recommendation. There's something like because we we're talking about it from a position of being able to use the show yeah. and stuff and use the platform and everything, but there is something to the idea of um, this kind of thing working best as uh, something somebody comes to regardless. Yeah, like sometimes and and I'll elaborate like I'll explain what I mean more like something every once in a while. Um, you know, we we will do our show and we we have a podcast and we will talk our opinion about a game or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, every once in a while, and this doesn't actually, there's no one being subtweeted because I don't think anyone does this to me now. But early on, occasionally somebody would do this where they would just kind of like, like reply to it to what we had said with like a very like long dissent about mm -hmm. about the thing. Yeah. And my my response, my instinctual response to that is always start a blog. Yes. Like it, it's not because I don't want to listen to you or anything like that, but I don't like I, I always feel like, oh, we did the episode. Like I definitely said what I said. Oh, yeah. About yeah. It. You know, um, it's cool if you think differently, but I don't this isn't a dissertation to be defended. No, this is us no. putting a product out and people can come to it if they want to. Yes. And, and enjoy it. It's not you know, it doesn't need to be defended. Mm -hmm. Like and if somebody is just like, I can't believe you thought that like. I really, really, you know, think that, uh, you know, Legend of Mana or whatever, the Sword of Mana is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, write a blog about it. Yeah. Like, l put it out I there. Mean, and, even, and even if you want to link me to it, that's great. Yeah. But don't just don't, you know, don't try to get me to to like the thing, you know, and this 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 was the recommendation thing makes me think of this, too. Like, mm -hmm. rather than, like, asking your friends to play Okage if you don't think they would like it, 
maybe write what you like about it, mm-hmm. you know, frame it as a, a as a, a, a medium or whatever. Mm-hmm. Frame it as like, hey, this is this this game Okagi. It's really amazing. Here's what it is. And then you can be like, hey, I wrote this blog and yeah. see if they're convinced by that. And then they're kind of like coming to it. They're reading it. They're not. It's not personal. There's none of that personal stakes tied up. No, yeah. there's none of that. Like, I would have my feelings hurt if you don't like this stuff. Yeah. That could ever get involved in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like we answered that question. Yeah, yeah, we can we, we can we can move on for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Move on to life question stuff. Uh, going to get the depressing one out of the way because if we don't, then it's going to uh, get, it's just going to linger there. The haunt us. <laughs> yep. It's going to do on the grudge us. Um, Popo for show show uh, says, "Hey guys, as much as I hope Duckfeed lasts forever and you guys retire as cigar smoking rich fat cats, nothing lasts forever. If something ever happened to Duckfeed, would you guys stay podcasters? Maybe try to go into another medium or go back to." Your old careers. Thank you so much for all the amazing content. Yeah, thank you. I, I don't. I, thank you. I, yeah, I don't find that particularly like super depressing. Right. Like everything does end, but like yeah. I think that what is probably more likely at this point is that if Duckfeed did go away, it would be one of our choices. Yeah. You know, or both of ours, and mm-hmm. that's not on the horizon at all. No. I just think it's more likely than like. You know, I've had like my friends from from uh, real life, you know, have who have more conventional jobs be like, what is the worst case scenario for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, uh, Patreon absolutely goes belly up, like just yes. is no longer a thing. So it takes us a while to come up with our own system, mm-hmm. like a la Giant Bomb. And then uh, it we lose some people through inertia, like yes. without having that set up, like, you know, we take a, a big hit mm-hmm. um, and then slowly rebuild. Yeah. And that's not the end of the the podcast. Like, no. that's not. You know, I will go to uh, pretty amazing lengths lifestyle wise to continue doing a job that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that meant like, oh, like I need to live somewhere very cheap or I need to go get a roommate or something like that, then that would be the worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wouldn't be uh, that I ha- I quit it and I go work at Target. Right. You know, um, yeah. can't, you, can't, you, so, you can't live the button down life. Oh, the city fathers and the blue noses will say, what's to do with this Gary Butterfield? I need the high highs, the terrifying and- lows. The creamy middles, the city fathers and the blue noses. Is that also from the the Simpsons quote? Yes, yeah. Okay, I forgot that part. <laughs> the um, so called city fathers, yeah, the city fathers. I totally forgot about the city fathers. Um, and then so like what? But if we decided to end it, uh-huh. right? Like I don't think it would happen to us. I think that what I would like um, is to build up uh, enough, uh, you know, internet people mm-hmm. who like me and are interested in what I do. Yeah. To where I could then start like whatever crowdfunding thing for like hey it's me gary mm-hmm. and then i would try to do some form of this yeah, yeah like it would uh maybe not be a podcast like maybe i would do youtubes instead mm-hmm. um that were just like you know like play a game and critique it yeah uh because i like that um and that might be it yeah um i would not go back to my old job mm-hmm. and i probably would not try to go like you know work at a gaming website or something like that i don't no, think no um independence is incredibly gratifying and Mm -hmm. my uh, my problems with authority um did not start until relatively late late in life but they are absolutely pronounced now Um, oh yeah so you know i (laughs) i would probably uh continue to try to be independent i would probably do something similar to what gary says although that is not uh that, that that is not in the works at the moment 
because I am happy with the arrangement and I feel like we are doing incredibly good and satisfying work. So nobody mm -hmm. should read anything into that. But yeah, probably go back to doing something in marketing, trying to be an, uh, an agitator for change in the inside, but mostly doing uh, consulting kind of stuff is what I would try and sell myself as. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And hopefully, you know, it's a long time before anything like that happens. Yep. Um, let's see. Um, Carlo, uh, asks, uh, Duckfest, uh, AKA QuackCon coming up in <laughs> August. Uh, what are your favorite things about Portland? Any tips for visitors, fun things to do? Uh, and also Cole, what do you find most enjoyable about uh, Portland and what do you look forward to when you visit? So this is going to be interesting for me because all of my visits to Portland, uh, with only a few exceptions, have been entirely centered around PRGE. So I've not had a chance to go do an awful lot. Um, that was not with you, Gary, uh, for the, you know, mm -hmm. for just kind of extracurricular things that we have done. Um, you know, thinking specifically of like, oh, the time he went to the Aladdin to watch that birthday boys performance or no, the, uh, yeah, what, yeah. what was that? Yeah. That was a yeah. live comedy bang bang. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, going yeah. to Fright Town. Uh, things. Several of the Birthday Boys opened. Yes. I think as a, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the Birthday Boys better. Um, birthday Boys are good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's been a bunch of stuff with you. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to come out a little bit earlier this time and try and get a little bit of alone time. One year, my brother came out and he basically just walked the entire town and went to like the botanical gardens and stuff like that. He went and did like a dent down by one of the kind of big town squares uh, mm -hmm. did, did like a doctors without borders, like this is what it's like in a refugee camp kind of experience, uh, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. sure. Um, that, that, that was all set up, um, while I was stuck interacting with fans at a convention center. Um, so I don't know that I have a lot of, a, a lot of a, um, uh, kind of responses to this or, you know, favorite things other than I've really enjoyed PREGE and Portland is a cool city to just exist in because public transit is non-existent in Ohio. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's easy to get around. Yeah. Which is super nice. Um, yeah. You should definitely do some stuff. Yeah. You know, like uh, I, I talk about, it, I wrote up that thing on the website, but like Portland has a uh, better than average. Uh, and this is just me being a dork, but like, Museums, right? Like when mm -hmm. I think about cities, like I think about museums a lot. Our art museum is good. Our zoo is really good. Uh, our science museum is very good. I think those are all things that are great to do if you visit, along with the obvious kind of tourist things, mm -hmm. um, you know, Powell's and our, our various uh, barcades and the like. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, just amazing food city as well. Yeah. So I recommend uh, people just eat incredibly good food. Yes. Uh, when they come up, like do those things. Eat super good food. Mm-hmm. The, um, yeah, the, uh, and also like, uh, I always try to account for people who are nature-y, um, yes. in a way that I'm not, like, I don't, uh, care for nature. And basically I think we could do without the whole business. Um, <laughs> I wash my hands I, of this. Yeah. I wash my hands of it. I just don't, you know, I don't care for the outdoors. I don't, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> um, but if you are into the outdoors, there's like literally a billion things to do. No. Um, if people are still thinking about planning a vacation, I implore you. Like come out a couple days earlier and uh, maybe like take a car or rent a car if you are going to have a car and uh, drive out to the coast, mm -hmm. which I did recently. Uh, you know, uh, Oregon Scenic Byway 101 is like absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. Um, just huge, dramatic rock formations out with crashing waves uh, out on the ocean. Um, big, beautiful mo uh, mountains where they'll have signs that just say rocks, <laughs> uh, which is a very ominous sign. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? 
so yeah, just just very very ominous, but it's just very beautiful, full of like little uh, seaside taffy powered economies. Yeah, and uh, and just you know, we didn't actually do it this time, but um, there's like so many lighthouses. I really want to do a lighthouse tour ah, because man. that's like on my list of dream retirements. I know. I, I mean, if I went and toured a lighthouse, I like that they, they would have to pry I, me out with a crowbar. I would hermit crab yeah. that so hard. Yeah, literally hermit crab. Yeah, I would just show 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 up with a suitcase. Yeah, that that's how you get to run the lighthouse is by yeah. killing the previous lighthouse keeper. It's <laughs> yep. like the Santa Claus. Well, what are they going to do? <laughs> there's no keeper. Yeah, if there's no keeper, well, I guess you know. <laughs> Guess, like, well, while pretty, I'm here, well, you could also just kill him and dress up as him. Right, right. Do you, do you think the people who run this thing know their lighthouse keepers very well? <laughs> no, like not in a million years. Like they, they, you know, pay them, a, like send them a check or whatever. Yeah, they, they communicate entirely they, by telex. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, yeah, there's there's literally no way that if you just kind of wore one of their outfits or stapled their face to yours, they would know it wasn't them. Right. So, like, if if you want to make this like low key uh, art horror movie, uh, <laughs> if you're listening, please do it. Yes. Yeah. Um, something that I would say to avoid, uh, voodoo donuts, both times I've gone has been very disappointing. Yeah, it's fine, but yeah. it's not great. Yeah. Uh, there are better donuts, but also like, are you really coming to a town for donuts? Yeah. Like, you know, go, 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 go to a restaurant. Right. Yeah. Go to, go to, um, uh, if you need something sweet, go get the, uh, the breakfast at honey milk mm-hmm. and you, you get a sweet and a savory, uh, kind of course with that. And the sweet courses are fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to, I always feel like we actually kind of give, uh, some short shrift to media question stuff. Cause I think it comes after yes. we do a lightning round before. Yeah. Let's do, uh, let's switch over to media. Yes. Let's and do media, that. Yeah. Then round and then, uh, topic time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is this you or me? I forget. Um, that was, so this is, this is going to be me. me. Uh, yeah, yep. the, this, the, this will be me. We're going to move on to, uh, to media questions. It feels like these, these later, uh, uh, categories get a little bit of short shrift. Uh, Greg, uh, writes in, and I'm going to summarize your question down a little bit. Um, says as a struggling podcaster, I admire you guys and what you have done with both WAF and the network over the years. I'm wondering if you can offer any advice as I've hit a brick wall in trying to grow my own. I've done all of the basic things, uh, that most people would suggest join a network so you can help promote your show and work with others, be hosted on sites like iTunes, um, be open to any and all feedback, um, published on a fixed routine, um, things like that. Despite all of that, my numbers uh, for views and downloads has remained static for a long time now, and nothing I tried seems to expand the numbers. Um, he talks about how he doesn't want to launch his own network, um, but um, and also says that his podcast, the SNES podcast, might have limited uh, appeal because it focuses only on one system. Um, I can do them when I'm a co-host on two podcasts and work, uh, 40 plus, uh, work. not sure what else he can oh, do. Yes. Like he's not, very yeah. busy. Yes. I'm not sure what I can do, uh, when I co-host on two other podcasts and work 40 plus hour work week, uh, any advice or suggestions on this front would be much appreciated. Thanks. Yeah. Um, you, like, I think you're mostly doing it, Yeah. right. Which is not helpful. <laughs> you know, like the, the consistency is the, the big watchword. Um, and then, uh, getting the name out there when you can, um, that is a delicate, like tightrope where you're not spamming or, un, you know, uh, being obnoxious or getting banned from Reddit for promotion or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, there's like a, a thing and I don't necessarily, I'm not saying this is the, the case in your show, but I just want to point out as, as a thing is that like, this was not, uh, you know, I had a couple runs at podcast stuff mm-hmm. before this came, um, with shows that didn't find an audience. Um, and sometimes they just don't No. Right. Like we're super lucky 
it not only, you know, we talk about how we didn't, there's no sea change. Like we did not have a, um, like a moment, right? Like a, a tipping point moment right. uh, with this network. We just kind of did the same thing for, you know, five years or six years. Then we're able to start getting money for it. Mm-hmm. And then that slowly grew. Like, but we've been on a steady growth trajectory the whole time, but slow. Yes. You know, like we're coming up on year eight, mm-hmm. eight. Uh, and you know, uh, early on, um, definitely, uh, both had other projects and were working full time mm-hmm. and stuff and just kind of trying to do this in the, the margins and everything. And we largely lucked out. Like I, I like what we do. I think we're good at it, but we also largely lucked out. Mm-hmm. Not everything finds an audience. Yes. You know, and that's, it sucks. Like if, if it's something that you really care about, but it just happens. Like yep. I have old shows that I did and I like, you know, it's like, what, you know, even like I'm you know, right on this network, right? Mm-hmm. Like I stopped doing heartbeat city in part, like part of it was because it was logistically a nightmare, mm-hmm. but Part of it was because no one was listening to it. Right. Like even we do stuff that doesn't find an audience. Like nobody listened to File Underwater. If we had just started that podcast as our idea, and I, I think that podcast is great. Yeah. Um, and we did it. We would get to the point where it's like at some point we'd be like, well, this is just not picking up anybody. Like yeah. it's not finding people. Um, we're doing everything we can, and it's just not what people want. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a marker of quality. Like it can still be a good thing, and you can still be very proud of it. But it might not you might've found like the audience for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and you have to decide if like, you're okay with that. Like, are you mm-hmm. cool continuing to do this thing for the number of people you're doing it for? Like, do you like that? Like, is it, you know, you're having fun doing it. You'd be satisfied doing this or is it time to try something different? Yeah. You know, um, if you haven't like with something like the SNES podcast, um, I will say that we, you know, we do a lot of, uh, or like, you know, we do a number of, of little convention things a year. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of podcasts like that. Yes. Like there are like the, the system podcasts that are very explicitly retro um, or things like that. And it might be worth trying to scrimp together some money to do like something like that, like do PRGE or Midwest Gaming Classic or uh, Classic Game Fest in Austin or something like that mm-hmm. to get in front of some faces. Like yeah. to be able to say like, hey, you know, here's a card. Here are some episodes of ours that we think are good. Yeah. Here you can meet us. Like you can see that we're, we're cool people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, and try to get to a place where a lot of people have that common interest. Yeah. Like physically, mm-hmm. uh, if it's not working for you in the digital space yes. to do so. Yeah. I know that you, Greg are up in the, uh, in the Northeast, uh, something like too many games, um, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, might be uh, a good place to go. You know, no convention that we have gone to has had a single table that was more than like $200. That is not nothing. Uh, but yeah. it is also like not as intimidating as you might, um, expect, you know? Yeah. Um, and with a little bit of additional, um, investment and in things like, uh, signage and, um, give outables, you know, either information cards or buttons and things like that, um, you know, saving up for a few months in order to, you know, make that in order to make that trip might be a good thing. You know, when we talk about like, oh, things have grown slowly, we started doing show the uh, conventions and shows in our second year of, yeah. of, of, of you know, of, of being a going concern. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a yeah. And, and just kind of knowing when it's time to try something different, right? Yeah. Like, that's not the same thing as giving up. Mm-hmm. Like, a reformat yeah. might be, you know... Look at how many useful. times we've done that with WAF and with Bonfire Side Chat. Yeah, yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. We've just taken something and been like, okay, this needs to change. Um, we need to, to, to upset this apple cart because... Mm-hmm. And that was all on stuff on our end, but um a general piece of advice is don't discount that stuff, right? No. Like, if, uh, you know, you talk about how busy you are... Um, it sounds like you're extremely busy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you do end up reformatting or launching a new show or whatever, launch it with an eye towards what you can actually do mm -hmm. without like destroying yourself. Yeah. Right. Like don't work like end product backwards and just be like, well, I will do, I will conform to fit this. Mm -hmm. Think what can I actually do on top of everything that is like still fun. that I can remain passionate about, uh, that can make a, a good product, but is actually sustainable. Um, and try that yeah. and then see if it finds an audience and it might not, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not, they're like, and there, there are a lot of like really, really good podcasts out there. And I don't think that just because we've had the fortune that we've had that we are better right. podcasts than they are, mm -hmm. right? Like, and and something, you know, we are very lucky. That is the fact of the matter. Like, it yes. doesn't mean that we're not good at what we, we do, but right. it's both. We are very lucky. Mm -hmm. And the thing about luck is sometimes you have to keep trying something until you get lucky. Right. You know, so maybe that's what this, you know, if you're frustrated with this, if you're having those feelings, maybe this is your time to take another shot at it yeah. and see if you, your luck is better next time. Mm -hmm. And it may never happen. And that's also the nature of luck. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. We wish you luck. We do. Um, yeah. Uh, Zach says, have you ever considered expanding the Duckfeed network beyond shows with uh, the two of us producing a show without being a host? Uh, says Zach. So this is interesting. I'm glad that this uh, question came up mm -hmm. because we all get uh, questions about this from time to time, mm -hmm. you know, um, and the trick is for that, I think, is that uh, we would want it to be a mutually beneficial thing. Exactly. I don't know what yeah. we would have to offer. Yeah. Or like ultimately or vice versa. Right. Yeah. No. Like, I mean, just to be be super honest, like mm -hmm. we do a billion shows on this network. Mm -hmm. Like we understand that not everyone has a billion hours to listen to all of them. If we brought in a show on the network, um, what they would get would be um, to be like part of our ecosystem. Like we would, uh, you know, there'd be cross promotion. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then and, you know, it would it would there would be some kind of, you know, payout part of it, you know, that would happen from the Patreon and stuff. But it would be complicated, mm -hmm. you know, uh, assuming that. And then what we would ideally like what would be good for the network then um, would be reaching a wider audience. Yeah. So that that cross promotion uh, happens and kind of diversifying um, like our stock or our stable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and right now, those two mutual benefits are like pretty, pretty low. Yeah. You know, I guess like I don't we wouldn't do a whole lot for people like when we put out shows that me and Cole are both on. Yeah. We can't always get people to listen to them like that cross promotion doesn't, you know, see the question answer the last question. Like, yeah. we do shows that nobody listens to mm -hmm. uh, on this network. And then uh, the the other way where it would expand our audience, like, you know, don't know that it would. Like, it's very rare that things that are of, like, similar kind of statures or don't have already have tons of overlap, mm -hmm. like, would be on the on the table for this. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's already like, well, the, you know, we already have, like, share a lot of listeners or uh, it's just not like a lot of people. So that would be the, you know, from like, you know, Gary business field, that'd be the, the, <laughs> the perspective. And I hate Gary business field. I hate yeah. it more than you do guys do. I promise you. Um, but like, it is just, it is just the facts and it would be a not, not inconsiderable amount of work yeah. to do so as well. Like, um, you know, doing, just adding the, you know, here's the promotion and the kind of online work, uh, to get this thing, uh, added to the stable. Yeah. A lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and additionally, like if we were to bring somebody in, it would have to be somebody that we were, that we trusted implicitly. Totally. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people in the, in the community who we, who we trust, but you know, it's a, we would be tying our fates together like that. Yeah. You know, my concept of duck feed, you know, we're not incorporated as one, but you know, it is very much along the lines of a co-op kind of deal. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and the idea that somebody could say something on a show 
that me or Cole are not on mm-hmm. and then duck feed gets in trouble for it. Yeah. Is really terrifying. Yes. Right. Um, like, you know, somebody just lets something slip and then, you know, the network is facing like a bunch of heat for something we didn't do is like an existentially terrifying idea. Yes. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, I also recognize that like duck feed as we grow, like, we uh it's not the most diverse crew that that was going to you know? be my other my other answer if it, you know if there was an yep. opportunity um in or you know to to expand that either with our direct involvement or you know an existing show that was like hey this could be this could be beneficial that would that would satisfy a goal yeah that would that would actually that's something we want um that's tricky because you don't want to be the person who is like hey like here's our here's our girl podcast no nope. there's girls on it you know like here's the one <laughs> and then like bad. how does that go yeah tokenism is bad like we don't want to do that so and we don't know exactly how to do it no i think that if it happens organically is what we'd want like we'd want to have somebody who we already like really jive with who wants to start something that we do trust implicitly mm-hmm. you know and then that might be what works yes you know um but it's it's not going to be a thing where we're going to headhunt you know, for for diversity, because that's that's weird. That feels gross. Yeah. You know, I understand that it's it's not necessarily gross, but it just, you know, and what if, you know, just because somebody is, you know, a uh, underrepresented group on the network doesn't necessarily mean we trust them. No. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's the case. Like they're still individuals. Mm-hmm. They're still people. And that trust element, like, do I think like a straight white dude is more likely to embarrass the network? Yeah. But do I think that it's impossible for somebody of, of like a, any kind of oppressed population to say something that we're not on board with and get us in hot water? Yeah, of course not. Like, of course that's possible. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. so I don't know. It's a big, it's a, it's a big question. It's definitely something we're thinking about as, as the network grows. Um, and I hope that it is a solution that falls into our lap. Yeah. Uh, would be my ideal thing. Like we, you know, something just kind of naturally feels like it fits. Yes. Yeah, it just it, oh. it just has to be something that all parties involved are comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. And even right now, so we think about like people we have co-host with and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if uh, if Will or Jeremy came up to me and were like, "Hey, I think this show would be a good fit." Like, what if Will and Jeremy did a show or something? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Hey, could we do this?" I would be the trust. You know that they're people I trust implicitly. Yeah, for that, and that would be. You know, but then we run into like the the other factors where it's like we already do a billion shows mm-hmm. and that d- definitely does not help us have any better representation. So like the uh, you know, it's tricky. It's a mm-hmm. it's a complicated matrices of. Yeah. Of issues. Bigger organizations with far more resources and far more experience also have um, as much or more trouble with this than we do. It is a it is a yeah. difficult it is a more difficult problem to solve um, than. um then you know, it seems at the very yes, least. then it seems yeah, yeah. like it, it seems very easy. It's not, yeah. uh, you know, we, I, we don't think so, yeah. you know, we don't think it's easy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Um, good. Yeah. Hook us up. Yeah. Um, Popo Fashosho again, um, says what movies do you guys genuinely like, but have received a poor or mixed reception? My favorite movie is Moonstruck, uh, but I know it isn't the best movie. Snap out of it. I, the, I added um, a snap out of it. That was that was me. Yeah, yeah. That, is that from a Moonstruck? <laughs> yes, yeah. That's when Cher, Cher hits your eye. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, that's when it's when Cher slaps you across the face because you're in love with Ooh. her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting. <laughs> Ooh, explain Moonstruck. Explain, explain, the, don't, don't, tell me the tale of Moonstruck. Moon. Attend the tale Senpai, of Moonstruck. Moonstruck. <laughs> yeah. The, um, 
the 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 obvious answer people want me to go for is Willow, but Willow has a good reputation. Um, so I'm going to say my my backup answer to this, uh, which is always uh, as good as it gets. Oh yeah, which is a movie that I have tons of affection for and really love, and I think is probably not considered to be like a great movie. No, but I think that that is a romantic comedy that gets me, uh, and I really enjoy. Yeah, good performances yeah. in that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. No. Problematic well, the, AF, but th- that was the nineties. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely not saying that stands up. Yeah, in that case, what, what's your uh, what's your your substandard fave as far as movies go? Uh, Synecdoche, New York. Is that not considered to be super great? Yeah, yeah, it got really like mixed reviews. Um, oh, it got, it? It got yeah, it got mixed reviews. Um, people thought it, you know, it, like it is a ponderous mass of a movie. Uh, that mm. is, you know, more impenetrable than it needs to be. However, the uh, themes of creativity and time slipping by and then just the general uh, mutability of space and um, obsession uh, is something that really speaks to me in a way that I, I I don't feel like I need to defend the shortcomings of the movie if it speaks to me that uh, that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that movie. Like, yeah. I didn't know that it had a mixed reputation. Yep. Um, Midsummer has a mixed reputation with everything to guppy hosts. And, uh, that, that's a movie that I really love. Is, is this the thing that's it. going to end the show? Yep. If, if we don't get to that $20,000 a month, Patreon stretch goal of ending everything to guppy, then, uh, then it might be the, our, our separate takes on Midsummer. Uh, so, uh, oh. watch Midsummer. Um, Cole, watch Midsummer. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I would like to. Yet. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, fucking Ludovico technique you into Hereditary when no, you show I, up in Portland. No, I, I, so. I need to. I, I'll probably yeah. watch it before then. I I just need to bite the bullet and rent it and sit sit down. I know. Please please, please 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 don't please don't tick. Please don't stick your dogs on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll try not to. Okay, but the uh, you know the Hereditary force online is mm. uh, strong. Yeah. Um. The uh. And then we watch, watch you not like it, right? Like that's one of the reasons why recommendations suck. Yeah. Like it's just like you're just like I don't really get it, and I'm just like, oh yeah. fuck, man. Like okay. <laughs> God damn it. Sure. Um. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Uh. Here's a question again, just easy one, right? No. Uh, Eli Leslie says, I'm sure it's been discussed in episodes, but I haven't heard. Has the network ever considered uh had any interest in doing a show based around a tabletop game like Adventure Zone? Um. Sure. Like some interest in that. Um, those require tons of work. Yes. Uh, depending on how edited they are, like even the, the versions I like of that kind of thing, which is where you like hear the dice. Like I want to hear people playing a game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear this edited to be an audio play. Right. Really? Like I just want to hear people playing the game. Mm-hmm. That's still a lot of work to get a good sounding audio setup. Yes. For something like that. Like I recorded um, I've run a couple campaigns where I recorded the beginning of it with the idea of doing this. Mm hmm. Uh, and never kept up with it because the recordings were just such horseshit and required so much work to massage. Yeah. Um, I think that if we were not doing a million other shows, this would be something that would be more on the table because I, I love tabletop mm-hmm. stuff. But boy, does it take a lot of work. Yep. A lot of work, a lot of logistics um, in terms of getting people um, involved on a consistent basis as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to do any kind of storytelling thing, uh, especially collaborative, collaboratively like that. Um, but yeah, it just uh, it's it's it is a spicy meatball in terms of surmountability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, what do we want to do, Gary? Um, let's uh, let's move on to. Do we do lightning rounds before the topic or after? I think we've done both. What do you feel like? Let's just do the let's let's hit these lightning rounds. Okay, let's clear them out. Let's clear out these bad boys. We've got like six of them. Let's do them. Okay. And then let's do the topic. 
Yeah. Uh, um, so Sleepy Smiles asks, if you could create a blank simulator game, uh, e.g. Thief, Flight, Goat. Uh, three genders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what very specific thing would you like your game to simulate? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's interesting. This is uh, because there are ones for things that I I want, right? Basically, there, there's even that yeah. like DOS one that's the band manager, right? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Rockstar. No, for DOS, you know, and I'm sure there have been other games that have taken that that ball and run with it, mm-hmm. you know. And there's like infinite managers online that are just kind of like take the same, you know, like that cell phone manager <laughs> thing we played. The thing, know, there's a lot of these managers. The the, the thing about these is is, is that uh, I don't know that I want them until I see them and play them. Like House Flipper and Garden Flipper specifically are extremely my shit. Mm. Um, and I don't know that. Wait, hold, hold up a second, Garden what? Flipper. Yeah. It's an, expan- is that, so is, it's an is expansion. It's an expansion. Anything in real life? Like, do people flip gardens? Uh, you you got to add your curb appeal, dog. Is so, it, so you're doing it for the house flipping? Yeah, to to, okay. to to increase the value. So it's an expansion for House Flipper uh, that lets you um, go into the yards and design like uh, like like gardens, yards and mm. gardens and things like that. And also okay. and also like just like rehab properties. So you gotcha. know, just like get rid of weeds and stuff like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. No, I, 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 I thought it was a separate game where it was just about people like buying gardens to flip them. No, and no, like, that's that's bizarre. Like, yeah, the, so, so like the network has gone too far. One one half one half of House Flipper is you know pretty much entirely just doing like handyman odd job kind of things. Like, oh, like I need to tear down this wall and please paint it something that is like this color, and then you do the work to to you know to finish it, adding your own touches to get more uh to you know to get more payment out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's not all like buying houses and and redoing them completely. You do the mm-hmm. odd jobs to get the to get the money to do those bigger jobs. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I guess like if uh for me like the thing that I I wanted to do and I the tricky thing is like I could do this in Minecraft or uh, maybe even in like Sims with mods and stuff. It'd just be a lot of work. I want something that's more uh designed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess actually this could be, you know, while we're wishing, right? Like we can just go, we don't have to have a modest wish. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like a, uh, a game that allowed you to load up a, uh, like a Sims esque version of a town mm-hmm. and like almost, you know, any town, like have this, some, you know, in the future, have this map to like, uh, Google maps or what have you and be able to have a virtual like town experience, mm. um, you know, similar, like I would love to be able to walk around, uh, my hometown that I lived in and go into all the houses and shit like that oh, and yeah. have that modeled. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would just be an exploration simulator, basically like, oh, it would just yeah. be like kind of like last man on earth simulator. Okay. You know, you could pull up any town and just like, you know, it obviously wouldn't have the interior contents of that. Mm-hmm. That's private, but it would just like emulate them. You yeah, know, like, yeah. some, you know, like here, here's, here's some randomly procedurally generated, yeah. you know, like this is a ranch uh, house that has these windows on the front that we could ascertain from street view. Yep. And then yeah. when you go inside, you know, it, it gives you like it'd be like Thief Simulator, except just better. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah things like that. And I necessarily wouldn't necessarily be stealing in this. I would just want to, like, check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be cool. I I've, in many uh, town building type things, I've tried to build my hometown. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's a that's a thing I do from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's never quite as satisfying or easy as I want it to be. Yeah. Um, I would like Fate Simulator, uh, which just would cast me as um, the villain 
uh, of death in the oh, um, oh, um, kind of uh, no specifically a final destination. Like I, I would oh. like I would like to manipulate people's fortunes. Yeah, Tecmo's deception. Kind of, but yeah. I don't want it to be like a weird BDS BDSM JRPG. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I would I would like to uh, go into a situation and manipulate probabilities in order to kill them. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And fate, and again, like simulator. some of these things you can do parts of it, you know, with yeah. like you can do some stuff like that in say like Hitman, you can like set up accidents and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Or in something like Ghostmaster where you can like set up, you know, a, like a minor amount of Rube Goldberging to like <laughs> scare people, but yeah. yeah. Um uh, Julia says, which celebrity would you pick uh, as a fully conscious NPC in your next tabletop campaign, a.k.a. Cyber Keanu Punk? Mike Mills. Keanu Punk. Oh, Mike Mills would be good. The uh, I was, I've been, you know, joke kit. I was trying to figure out because I wanted to do some Photoshop with it. Whenever I do Photoshop, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but I had some idea of like, uh, you know, broke, uh, you know, or woke Mike Mills, broke puppy Mills. <laughs> and I like the idea of positioning mike mills as opposite of puppy mills yeah. in terms of like goodness and badness yeah two different kinds of mills you yep. know and i had some kind of idea for that but i never <laughs> did anything with it the um yeah. uh mike mills would be a really good one to, to have in there um I, i'll just go with keanu and say uh john wick mm. if i could pull uh you know john wick in and not have it just seem like the most ridiculous mary sue right that's the thing right if you brought him yeah. in at his at his appropriate power level yeah. <laughs> I, I guess i'd have to do somebody who is like i mean they're all going to be well written and stuff so they're going to come in as kind of mary sue yeah. and stuff like the coolest person in the room yeah you know but yeah so it's a little bit tricky like either that or maybe like really good like season three game of thrones tywin lannister mm. i would love to like have a character you know just put that character in yeah you know, he's not a real life person <laughs> but charles dance i guess then what charles dance is the actor oh who plays him. so if it has to be a celebrity mm. charles dance okay great actor yeah um <laughs> let's see here ben asks if you were in a survival situation such as stranded on a deserted island and got to choose one video game character to bring into the real world to help you survive who would you choose um the boss oh boss hey yeah i was yeah. i was thinking about solid snake but then i was like uh yeah i can't solid snake's a like dipshit I'm... like the boss is yeah, the, the, the boss is the true keeper of the knowledge i also need some quiet time on the island though yeah. like i couldn't i couldn't be on a kojima island no can you imagine being on kojima island where oh, someone's no. constantly telling you about the island it's the, it's the worst it's... reality show like yeah. just um you know like every single time you look at something somebody fucking taps you on the shoulder to tell you a, a, a fucking fun fact about it that the writers <laughs> looked up and doing research just you, you know uh just parrot the wikipedia at you yeah um, every single time you look at something no snake I, have I, you read lord of the flies god damn it yes just like what if i said yes like that's how i feel about all of those fucking metal year conversations like yes and then like well I, you, you're not gonna stop though are you no you're just gonna keep telling me about it no matter what then you know and then just continues to say the thing that they're gonna say regardless yeah um yeah i and also a desert island situation like i would love somebody who i eventually could have some kind of romance with and fuck so i think that would be a hard thing Right. I need like I need like a survival person who like if I'm on a desert island I would like to repopulate. Yeah, the boss with. incredibly loyal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The boss is the boss is loyal. Um, I you know I, I like the boss's features. Um, I just I don't know again Kojima Island though boss is gonna talk to me too much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and not just like because I don't want like oh like my my island mate I want him to be quiet. You know, give yeah. me a beer. Shut up, island mate. No, no I, I just think that Kojima people talk too much. Yes, uh, um, an, an important part of any relationship is companionable silence. Absolutely. Yes. Maybe like Sellas. 
Mm. You know, so she can force like, feed you rotten fish yeah, after you break and, and your equally, leg. Yeah, equally depressive. Yeah. You know, like eventually we just throw ourselves off the fucking cliff because uh, you know, it's, you know, island sucks. Uh, the uh, so yes, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably about as good as I get. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, Nakabrod wrote, uh, "What is the spiciest food you've eaten?" Probably some kind of wing. Yeah. Um, I ate the uh, habanero fritter challenge things at a place called Salvador Molly's mm. in uh, uh, in Portland, uh, and they are too hot to eat. Mm. That was the spiciest food I've ever had, and they were not edible. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had cur like a, like a curry that is spicier than I would prefer to eat, but I don't know if it is the spiciest thing. I like spicy food. I do not seek out the spiciest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I typically don't either. I do like – I do – tend to prefer like pretty spicy food yeah but it's tricky because you go to a restaurant and you're like i would like a spicy and it's like well is this food challenge spicy or is this just like very yeah, spicy yeah. you know is, is it just is it is there flavor yeah yeah exactly yeah um doug leaf asks uh what in-game gadget would you most like to have a working version of in real life portal gun yep God damn it, Gary. <laughs> yeah, gravity gun's also a great answer. Yeah. The, uh, you know, valve, okay, I'll, I'll say gravity gun. Yeah, the grav's got the, you know, valve, gravel. Um, yeah. Valve well, just, has, the, uh, has th the meats. Think about, <laughs> think, yeah. think about how uh, how much money you can make as a mover with a gravity oh, yeah. gun. Yeah. I, I would just love to not, like, move. And, like, I would uh, have, you know, because I wouldn't use a portal gun all that often, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I would do a, a minor amount of theft and vigilante justice. Yes. And then I would uh, find a place I like to vacation to, mm -hmm. fly there, hit the portal gun, get back on the plane, and then just be able to go back and forth whenever I wanted. Yeah. You know, that'd be cool. It'd be really fun to, like, live in, you know, shoot it through somebody's window um, if they open it and then live in, like, a disused wing of some millionaire until they, like, get mad and then just be like, ta-ta. And then just, like, <laughs> Later, I have your jewels, jewels now. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of jewels. I, I think that... <laughs> It would be this would be a tool for which I would do class warfare on a scale unprecedented, <laughs> um, class and real. Uh, so. Robin Hood twenty one fifty. Yeah, yeah, Portal Robin Hood. <laughs> Make that game. Yeah. Uh, Orkybit says, uh, "Who is your favorite teacher in school, and what about made what about them made them your favorite?" Are you trying to get my password questions, <laughs> yep. Orkybits? Yep. <laughs> That's cl classic orky bits. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to make this easy for you. My high school choir teacher. I, you know, <laughs> she, she is a teacher that I had for six years. Um, mm -hmm. She was my middle school choir teacher, too. I was not in high school for six years. Um, but, yeah, just incredibly uh, supportive. Um, helped uh, kind of uh, encourage and cultivate my uh, appreciation for music. Uh, and just genuinely a very pleasant person. Yeah, mm -hmm. high school choir teacher. I, I had some okay teachers, but I had uh, like a lot of mediocre teachers, and I don't have strong memories of them. Yeah. There's no like to serve for, with love for me. Mm -hmm. and I went to college, and I had uh, I had a very good poetry teacher who I'm friends with on Facebook. Um, she's great, and then uh, I had one good like fic or you know um, creative writing teacher. Mm -hmm. But I also uh, that was about it actually for my college experience. Yeah, like uh, a lot of uh, a lot of horseshit with a couple exceptions. Yeah. So I don't I don't have strong memories of teachers. That's not a, an honored position in my like sphere, really. No, I've, I've had a few like teachers who have unlocked things for me. Um, I was not good at school and specifically was terrible at math until uh, seventh grade. I had a seventh grade mm -hmm. math teacher uh, who taught like just he was cantankerous in a way that spoke to me and taught in a way that completely unlocked that subject for me. 
Um, mm-hmm. Additionally, I had a chemistry teacher um, who unfortunately passed shortly after I graduated, uh, who did something very, very similar um, for me. Just you, sometimes you get a teacher who has a way of relating to you uh, that calls you to a little bit more, expects more of you, but you end up, uh, you know, doing things that you didn't know that you could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cole, finally, teacher. Yeah. Gary, anti-teacher. Text Cole. Yeah. To... No. Um, let's see your final lightning round one. Michael asks, quick one. Have either of you messed around with any auto chess games? I usually stay away from fad genres, but this one hooked me with its strategic depth. Um, I don't, I've only heard the name. I have no idea what it is. Uh, so no, I have not. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I think sorry it's to a, have an unsatisfying answer. Yeah, I think it's a Dota thing. Uh, um, yeah. Maybe. Uh, it looks like it based on screenshots, but I have no idea. Sorry. Yeah. I, 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 the, the, the world is scary. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. And now what I'm with. Isn't it? Who even knows? <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for your questions. Uh, we're going to move on to our topic suggestion. Um, and this episode uh, episode's topic comes from Garrett. He says, uh, you've touched on this a bit before, but what do you guys think about the nature of video game addiction? When is too much, too much? How do you draw boundaries between games and the real world? So, um, big caveat, yeah, neither of us yeah, are psychological professionals. Yep. <laughs> yep, I was just about to do the exact same thing. Yep. Uh, there, go to JSTOR uh, <laughs> and find peer-reviewed articles about this very subject yes. for that perspective. Um, and if we say anything in contrast to that, um, yeah. it is not. Uh, because we're positioning ourselves as knowing more about that. Than, yeah, neither mm-hmm. n- neither directly about addiction, which is a complex and fascinating topic, um, especially mm-hmm. uh, in an economic sense. Uh, yeah. I just listened to a podcast interview about limbic capitalism uh, mm. and basically just the way that addiction and vice has been, um, uh, you know, from a very early time married with uh, married with capitalism in order to make sure that the things you like, you will like forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, um, but complicated, fascinating topic. We have a very limited kind of insight into it, but the idea of compulsive play um, and especially uh, things that we see that seem to uh, des- design decisions that we see in games that uh, that, that that seem to uh, kind of uh, foster that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think that there is definitely. So I guess, the, you know, breaking it down into uh, subjects. Right. Like, and again, keeping those caveats in mind, mm-hmm. um, I think we should, like, a good way to organize this would be uh, player side and then kind of game side. Yeah. And player side, um, you know, talk about our experience, um, talk about, uh, you know, drawing those boundaries, like times we have fallen into compulsive play and what that means to us and yeah. such. Um, and then game side, uh, talk a little bit about developers and insidious Horseshit that EA does to yeah. uh, monetize the whales uh, <laughs> and is just like so unbelievably evil and shitty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's the, basically the scope in which we could talk about it, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when, when do you think, what is the example you have of being most like addicted to a game? Like, have you ever gotten to the point where you have been like any, any, even, you know, any anxiety about it? Like, fear is probably a strong word, but like, even any anxiety where it's like, uh, you know yeah um so i think that uh when garrett says hey when is too much too much um when you start mm-hmm. to be worried about it that's when it's too mm-hmm. much you know like if you if you if you have to ask it is probably worth evaluating uh how much mm-hmm. that is fitting into your life evaluating what uh is being harmed 
mm-hmm. <laughs> um, by, by, by you partaking in this, in this thing, what are you giving up? Uh, for me, like the most, the most recent and kind of like largest example would be Stardew, where I think I put 110 hours into it over the course of a month. That's uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's about 30 hours a week. I know. Just about. So that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a full-time job in a civilized country. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you know? so. Yeah. yeah uh that that was that, that that was a problem um uh you know and i don't know you know i can't speak specifically to why there is a rhythm to that game there is a satisfaction uh that was a time when i was really really frustrated at work my day job as well things were going fine here um but uh the idea of going into this place where you have control over the land and your success is directly related to what you put into it you know in that meritocracy simulator kind of way um and also it played into my desire for optimization um mm-hmm. yeah there are just a lot of things that definitely spoke to it and probably just our good old our good old-fashioned friend depression yeah um stardew valley was a was a dungeon train for a while yeah yeah yep. and <clears throat> uh, that's probably like as close as as i've gotten like i don't i tend to for me i draw a distinction in an addiction where something ends or not yeah right like I, I i chugged the fuck out of divinity original sin 2 yeah when i got into it recently but with the knowledge it would end and i would be okay when it ended yeah you know like i want to get to the end of this and i have like exhibit a little bit of that behavior whenever um a big release comes out that i am really excited about yeah. like there are certain games that i will like chug and i'm just like well i'm gonna play this until it's over and i play a lot of it yeah you know and it's happened every time like a dishonored game came out um, every time a Souls game has come out, um, yeah. even if it's not for work, like I just tend to chug. Yeah, in um, other media, that is not called an addiction; that is called a binge. Yeah, it's called it, you know, and it's 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 encouraged in a way that I also think is probably not great, worth questioning, right? Like yeah. the um, saving some for later is different than addiction, but it's also probably best practices. Yeah, um, these things. I've never been super scared that I have too compulsively uh, played a game. Um, but I have gotten to the point where I've just like, I recognize like, Oh, like I'm playing this more than I should, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm, you know, like, this, I need to move on or I need to have a way to have this end. Yeah. Um, but part of that is through design on what I choose to play. Like I, I don't play stuff that doesn't have that, mm-hmm. uh, or I try not to, like I got back into magic, um, a little bit earlier this year mm-hmm. and played some arena um, I still haven't installed on my computer. Um, I still might. I haven't picked up in a, in a couple months, but I might still play it some more. But that's I recognize as a certain point, like, oh, this is a live service perpetual thing. This is something where there's going to be expansions that come out on a regular basis. They're mm-hmm. going to continue to email me the free codes for free cards and stuff to string me along yes. because their goal is to trap me playing this forever um, and to make me addicted to it um, and either addicted to it like I can't tear myself away from it. Or that I feel a responsibility to like log in, you know, and, and get in my time on this. And I was like, okay, well, that means that's my time. That's my cue to back off. Yeah. Like I, it's not that it's like, oh, I'm a werewolf that has to be locked in a jail cell at the full moon. Like, I don't think I'm going to go crazy for it. Mm-hmm. I just am very aware of being prey. Yeah. You know, like if somebody's going to try to play me like a fool, I do not want to be like a fool and be played with. Yeah. You know, like I just don't want to. No, no. So. Uh, because no. in, in, in a certain way, uh, that feels disrespectful. Um, it feels yeah, yeah. It's just like, Hey, well, <laughs> like I, I can see what you're doing. Like, I, I like, yeah. why, like, why are you trying to exploit me? Why? Yeah. I never, yeah. you know, I never want to be tricked and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like good art. It doesn't seem in good faith to me. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and uh, and and I, I put a lot of that on the dev side because no. that's their stated goal. It's not a secret, right? No, no. Like you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist guy to to realize like, oh, this is actually the design. Mm-hmm. This is what they want is for you to uh, continuously log into your uh, Destiny 2s or your Warframes mm-hmm. or your Worlds of Warcraft or any of that stuff just to continuously get this dopamine drip of this thing yeah. that you're addicted to. Be- um, because their key performance indicator in a lot, you know, at, at one of many, but one that you hear about is active daily users for any yeah. kind of web web service. Uh, that is the case as well. Um, you know, cause you can have like number of people subscribed, et cetera, but how many people are engaged? That is, yes. uh, that is what they are trying to maximize. Um, and that is why, um, a lot of just general, um, um, oh gosh, marketing, <laughs> marketing tech, ad, ad, ad service tech, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, kind of, uh, analytics is spilling over, you know, look at, you know, Gama Sutra occasionally runs articles about this. You, you know, it, it bubbles up into more mainstream media that is not aimed at devs, but just the, just the number of trackers that are included on mobile games, but also kind of increasingly how much data is being shipped back. Uh, is being shipped back to the actual developers because ongoing optimization is their is is their lifeblood, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you are being you are being surveilled and observed and picked apart on a demographic basis and on a behavioral basis to try and figure out what they can do to prime more out of you. Yeah. Again, not yeah. a conspiracy theory, just a thing that happens. It, just it to, is, yeah. It's just true. Yeah. Like it makes us sound paranoid, but it's not. It, yeah. it's, it's just literally yeah. the truth is that you <laughs> people are seeking to exploit you. And it's pretty fucked up, right? Yeah. Because like the, the science part of this that we admitted we know very little about, I do know that literal video game addiction is, is possible. Yeah. Like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone says that's fake, it's like, well, you can actually get addicted to anything. Like yeah. the, the nature of addiction is not just cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, any kind of behavior. And just the idea that somebody is going to – uh, prey on that mm-hmm. like somebody you know it is somebody's job yeah to uh look for weaknesses in the human mind mm-hmm. and then try to make money off of that weakness yeah uh is a really grotesque thing mm-hmm. like that is a really disgusting thing that we just accept as a people yeah that this is somehow okay and just what business is like mm-hmm. it's just how it is right yeah like we're talking about games specifically um these kind of you know these live services that are designed to dangle this carrot you know, this loot box carrot in front of you, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, and continue to get you to, to re-up your dedication. But this is yeah. true of so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just yeah. games. It is a, a factor of capitalism to yeah. sound, again, like us. Yeah, no. Um, and, you know, just to, if, if I, I don't generally make an appeal to authority or experience or, 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 or experience, but, you know, for seven years, I worked as a propagandist for this. I mm-hmm. wrote defenses and what they are going to do uh when when, whenever a company that works with this tech or sells this tech what they will say is this is not just a way to harvest information to make more money this is a way to cater the experience and give people more of what they want why are you against us having all this information or loading the product down with these different things we just want to be responsive you know like so 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 what you're saying is you don't want us tracking where you go oh so you're saying that you don't want ads that are catered to things that you actually want to buy you just want to see ads that are not relevant to you why do you you know why do you want to inflict that on people 
Um, yeah. That is the line that is being sold. And with games, it is like, why why are you paranoid about uh, about being watched in this regard or, you know, <laughs> being analyzed this way? Uh, you know, uh, did, are you saying that you want bad games? Are you saying that you want the next map to not be? Uh, the the next yeah, map exactly. that we released to not be uh, you know optimized you know to For what you want yeah 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 or 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 you know or what are you why are you criticizing the people who are just having fun like these people are you know this is what fandom has always been like there's no difference between a you know Destiny two maniac and like a Sonic fan mm-hmm. or something like that um, that is you know really disingenuous you know as a thing and it, it's also uh, doesn't put any weight on anything mm-hmm. you know like I, I listened to a podcast recently about eye tracking yep. uh technology and you know which is uh terrifying and horrible mm-hmm. and i just can start wearing sunglasses all the time yeah uh <laughs> you know just to, just stop me and then they're gonna have the the iphone that comes out with the thousands of little ca- cameras on their screen mm-hmm. which means i'm never going to upgrade my iphone because mm-hmm. uh, i am not going to have an always on camera that oh, is tied to a company <laughs> you already do <laughs> yeah, I know. But not to the, there's a matter of degrees. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, people there's there's the, you know, in for a penny in for a pound yeah. thing that pops up with this stuff that I think is a little bit crazy, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like yes, I have a uh, a camera on like a webcam mm-hmm. set up and everything like that and there is a camera on the phone. Yeah. But if I'm like out in the middle of a car somewhere or something like that and there are no cameras in the car. Yeah. Like yes, there are like traffic cameras and shit like that, but if I don't have a phone that is taking pictures of my face every single time I look at my screen, mm-hmm. you know, then it, the, to me, there's a difference. Yes. You know, like it's, it's not like, yes, I already gave some of my information to Facebook. That doesn't mean I want to give all of my information to everything. Reasonable. You know? Yeah. You know, um, so it, it's, for me, there, it makes a difference, but the, um, you know, looking at, uh, uh, something like that, looking at, uh, always, you know, always on cameras, always on, uh, eye tracking, things like that, trying to find out more about you doesn't add any weight. So like, the thing that I would, the advantage I would get from that is uh, this level in Fortnite or whatever is made specifically to, to my taste mm-hmm. or made closer to an amalgamation of everyone's taste. Yeah. The thing I'm giving up is ineffable and holy. Yeah. And that thing I'm getting is not something I really even want. Yeah. Like, I don't care what ads I see. You know, I'm not, it's like the, I, I've always heard that argument and it's like, don't you want to see ads that are relevant to you? No. Yeah. I'd prefer like, my, no, my ideal. Certainly not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My ideal world has no ads. Yeah. And, and, uh, if there's going to be, I don't care what they are. Yeah. You know, my, then the, my next ideal world has as few as possible. Mm-hmm. And my next ideal world has even fewer mm-hmm. and on onward and onward. I don't care that they are targeted at me. Like I don't want targeted ads. Every time it happens, I feel like shit. Yep. Like every single time I Google something and then Facebook shows an ad, uh, for, for me, I feel like garbage, Yeah. you know, and it, and it makes me like, it's one of the things like is a downside of this job. Like I love this job um, for both uh, those reasons. And also for my mental health, I've thought recently a lot that if it wasn't for this, I would become one of those deletes all your social media guys. Yeah. Like, I think like I have, I don't exhibit addictive behavior towards games. I do exhibit ad- addictive behavior towards online and Twitter. Oh yeah. Specifically. No. Um, like in a really bad sense, like I'm not good. How, uh, how relatable is this? You, uh, go to one feed, you drag and see what's new. Uh, you go to another one, drag and see what's new. And then without even thinking, you go back to the first one to see what's new. Yep. And no yeah. time has gone by. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do that shit. I would love to, and that's on purpose, right? Like that is mm-hmm. my design. Um, it's the same shit. Yeah, same shit, <laughs> yeah. you know, same shit and as uh, that makes these kind of, you know, practices. And I would love to uh, cut that off and make that not possible for myself. Yeah. The same way that I don't, I, 
only play games with an end. Yeah. You know, almost exclusively play games with an end. There's except there's Gungeon and Isaac, like there are exceptions yeah. in terms of roguelikes and stuff, but I'm not going to do an MMO. I'm not going to do a Schluter. I'm not going to do any of these things that like just are designed to have a new content update once a month <laughs> that you never, ever quit. I, I, I feel like the two of us are saved from this a little bit because we are both so opposed to social gaming. Um, yeah, probably. yeah. Um, I think that something that is a godsend about these bigger titles, most of the ones that people end end up that, that you hear stories about addiction or you know dependence uh, to, uh, they end up being multiplayer affairs where. Uh, publishers uh, and developers have figured out that the social pressure is also something that keeps you in. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that it is, it is a network effect for encouraging dependence because if they can keep enough of you, if they can keep a critical load in, uh, then it is going to keep the stragglers in because that is how I interact with my friends. You know, like this is just the thing, the, the thing that we play. Yeah. Like, like it is, uh, it is naive again, and I, know, I recognize how paranoid we sound, but we're not. It no, is naive, no. I think. I think it is naive to think that the structure of the raid, like the structure of WoW, mm -hmm. as a thing that starts off as something you can solo and then eventually becomes something you have to do with your friends, yep. was not designed with the idea of those social pressures keeping people engaged. No, first. no. Um, as a first principle, like for the point of this is that you need to have people together. That might convince some people to keep their subscriptions. Yeah, uh, for, for for a fact, the major, you know, the majority of MMO decisions, uh, design decisions, uh, things that are considered, uh, you know, to be, you know, either downsides to the genre or things that keep people hooked, span back to EverQuest when EverQuest was designed as a, a multi-user dungeon where they would charge you by the minute. Uh, to be in there, you know, and make it so that, you know, in order to accomplish something, you need as many people because that maximizes revenue. Um, they had, you know, imposed weights built in, you know, meditating to get your mana back and things like that. Um, again, to nickel and dime you for all of that. From the very beginning, that particular genre has been has been designed to optimize, uh, you know, to optimize revenue mm -hmm. in an ongoing oh. way. And I know that it probably sounds like we're picking on specific genres and you could probably say like, oh, these are just genres you guys don't like. No, I played um, a shit ton it, of these back in the day. Well, yeah, not only do we have the experience, but also um, it is true that these tend to be the games that uh, foster addictive behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't often – like sometimes you'll run into people who are like addicted to something like Skyrim. Mm -hmm. But it's not like – it's like, oh my god, you know, here's an addiction story about somebody who's addicted to Symphony of the Night. Yeah. You know, like a game that takes nine hours to beat, mm -hmm. you know, and then like maybe uh, 15 hours to 100 percent. Yeah. You know, um, you're not going to run into that. And it's 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 not that we are talking. We are we're saying these games are addictive and shitty because we dislike them. Part of it is the fact the things that make them addictive and shitty are also reasons why we dislike them. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's a it's an Ouroboros. Mm -hmm. Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Uh, you know, so the caveat or at the very least to hedge, you know, to a certain extent, so we don't sound like teetotalers, um, even if something has the potential to be addictive, even if the marketing uh, and the, the, the general commoditization of it is something uh, that, uh, you know, 
is, is, is intended to foster this, you know, to take it to another example, it is, it is really hard to say that using, this is again, example from that podcast I listened to, um, you know, it is really hard to say that like toasting somebody with wine at a wedding is a net, is a net negative for society, Mm -hmm. you know? So it it, it, did just to not sound like total, you know, uh, abstainers, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that's basically more or less what I what I have to say about it or know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, as a thing, it is something that like it feels like there are some tides turning with it, right? Yeah. Like there has been legislation uh, introduced about this stuff recently. Like it is something where now, and we we talked about this last episode, I think. Like during uh, the farce that is E three, yeah. a company can go up and be like, and guess what? no loot boxes and everyone loses their shit like they just announced like free cars for everyone as if they weren't solving a problem that they caused yep you know like as if they should deserve any credit for for that like it like imagine that world imagine being that person who's like, yes i can't believe they did it i love them yeah like what is wrong with you you, know, you fucking nerd like stop yeah. um the uh but you know if there are some like companies doing that realizing that people are pushing back on it um, and one side that is movement towards goodness, another side that is going to be them being more subtle. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are plenty of practices in the stuff that people don't see as exploitive that actually mm-hmm. like kind of are, yeah. you know, um, and lead to this kind of addiction. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It sucks. I don't mm-hmm. have anything more than it sucks. No, it, 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 it's, it sucks. Um, and it just kind of goes back to, you know, when, when, when is when is too much too much when you when you start feeling worried about it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Or, exactly. or when some, when somebody close to you says, "Hey, this is this may not be something that, you notice about huge yourself." Flag. Yeah. Like if, if somebody tells you, mm-hmm. like they're worried about you about a thing, like yeah. the and as a natural born contrarian, I understand the the urge to push back. Mm-hmm. I, I I I urge you not to push back on something like that. Like yeah. that is time to reflect because your people around you know you better. Yes. You know one of the things like when I uh, broke up with my uh, last like serious girlfriend several years ago, um, obviously I had tons of regret because we were in a long established relationship and it was hard. And uh, when I would express that to some of my friends, they would be like, Oh, you're like a lot happier now though. Yeah. And I just had to believe them. Like I was miserable in that moment because I was missing my ex, Yeah. but they were, they know me better than I know me as far as like an objective, Yeah. you know, kind of sense that it's like, if somebody says like, Oh, you've, lost weight or you've gained weight like and you're like no i, no, I haven't like well <laughs> you, know, like, you see yourself gradually every day in time yeah. lapse they probably are seeing you once you know every couple of weeks and can actually see differences mm-hmm. you know you're watching the hour hand on a clock and they're watching the second hand yeah you know so yep yeah um yeah no yeah um yeah so we're gonna move on to your responses yeah uh, thanks everybody Thank um you. we'll put up a discussion prompt um as always Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on Patreon, if you go to patreon.com slash duckvtv, you get to ask us these questions. Yeah. Um, if you have responses for our games, uh, write in by the 15th of the month. Um, so obviously too late for July as we're about to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, and too late for August. Uh, no, not too late for August. So right. write in by August 15th if you have yes. things to say about our next games. Yes. Uh, but for now, we're doing July 3D platformer month. Yeah. And we're going to get started here uh, with uh, our response about a hat in time. This is uh, from Francis. Uh, Viva Contact, who um, uh, was actually the person who I believe um, commissioned the month and requested mm-hmm. that we play a hat in time. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is good that they were in. Uh, Francis says, thank you for a month of fascinating 3D platformers talk, uh, despite the apparent frustration it unearthed. 
Uh, it's funny listening to the episodes since my inspiration for the theme was nostalgia for a certain kind of cartoonish doesn't take itself seriously game that I loved as a kid uh, and was bummed out that they really don't make them anymore. Listening to your critiques, perhaps there's a reason for this. I thought a hat in time would be a good fit for the show as unlike ukulele, uh, the other attempt to throw back to the style. It's a game that constantly adjusts the gameplay uh, on the player for the better and for the worse. Uh, it's also actually funny and as charming as those old games were. Uh, the fact that the music is generally stellar, I also hoped Gary might appreciate. I did. Yeah. I, I did. <laughs> and here's a parenthetical. Though hearing the drive-by Banjo-Kazooie received, I'm increasingly relieved with the direction the month went, uh, month went as I'm not sure my heart could, could have taken you uh, beating Ape Escape to within an, within an inch of its life. <laughs> uh, as is often said, uh, you learn Fucking just apes. <laughs> as is often said, you learn just as much from games that don't work for you uh, as from the ones that do. I didn't quite see the month of motion sickness and pain coming when I pitched the theme, uh, but as harsh as you were on a hat in time, it's always an informative and interesting listen uh, to hear you dissect a game, even ones I love. I wish you a speedy recovery, Francis. P, uh, P.S. Mm. I swear I didn't try and backdoor and abject suffering in the most elaborate way possible. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> didn't think you were, no, you were doing that. No, I, no. I, I genuinely, genuinely hope, and I, I want this for anyone who's ever like patronized, a, you know, support a thing. And I know this isn't necessarily how it works, but this is what I would wish mm-hmm. is that no one ever feels bad. Yeah. Even a little bit. Like if we don't like the thing, mm-hmm. you know, like the way that I, I see the, the patronage is like you're saying, hey, take a look at this. No. And then uh, we take a look at it. And that's kind of the end of of our responsibilities. And whether we like it or not, like it is OK to have reactions to that. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's certainly not personal and it doesn't mean any, like there's no guilt yeah. necessary for anything. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. You know, so, um, you, like I, I am grateful a for the support and B for being forced, uh, to take a look at this genre that we, ne- you know, necessarily Luke, haven't spent a lot of time Luke with. Cold on, yeah. you know, yeah. Like generally kind of Luke cold on yeah. and like, don't really love, yeah. but it was still good to, to, to get a, you know, to do a deep dive on it, uh-huh. you know, and like I didn't I didn't hate it in time. I thought nope. it was OK. Yeah. You know, there are parts of it I really liked. I, I feel like it was OK, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I feel like that's what I was trying to get across in the episode was like I didn't didn't love it, you mm-hmm. know, but didn't didn't hate it. Had some problems, uh, had some things I liked, yeah. you know, and it, it was a, it, a fairly mediocre experience to me in a literal sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, you know, damning it on, you know, with a five on the seven to ten scale. Mm hmm. You know, uh, you know, it's like a it's like a six on the the zero to ten scale. No, you know, it's it's pretty all right. Um, you know, and I I had definitely had some fun playing it. Yeah. So, um, so, I you know I remember liking Ape Escape. I would be really hard pressed to visit it too. I would be worried. Um, and Banjo Kazooie. A couple of people like in the Slack were definitely like, "What do you guys have? How could you dislike Banjo Kazooie that much?" <laughs> well, you know. It's just uh, you'll never find out. You know what? So, uh, so, sometimes uh, sometimes different people can look at the same thing and see different things. All the time. Yeah. See, uh, see everything to Guppy Midsummer Gate. The, um, <laughs> the, you know, it, it just definitely happens. Like that's the that's what happened was you can look at the exact same thing and someone can be like everything you said was good about it is actually bad. And mm-hmm. someone could look at the exact same thing and say everything you said that was bad about it is actually good. Yeah. You know, like if I'm like, oh, the, I don't like how the characters look. So yeah. like, I love how the characters look. You know, there's nothing. There's no discussion there. Yeah. It's just taste. <laughs> just you know, well, yeah, but like, what, well, what, what do you do when there's no overlap in 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 like and dislike or good or bad? Yeah. You know, you it know, just, and, you... and when it comes to like more concrete things, right? Like, if it's like 
this jump like there are you know i believe that there are objective criticisms that can be had like it is possible that things can be objective so we can say something like um you know that the mantling is fiddly like you wouldn't always mantle like or the thing in a hat in time about how when you jump off of a uh wall jump like a wall cling Mm -hmm. you you spring at a 45 degree angle off like that's an Mm -hmm. objective thing that makes the game harder right yeah yeah. and but if you like the game the thing you could say is well this just didn't really bother me Mm mm-hmm you know, so it doesn't mean, you know, it's not like the actual thing itself is yeah. an objective thing. It's just like whether it impacted you, yeah, you know, or a subjective thing. It's whether it impacted you or not, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah. you know, and, and so nobody should ever feel the need to, you know, if they, if they patronize something to say like, oh, I didn't, sorry, you guys didn't like it, uh, you know, yeah. just like, et cetera. Like, you know, anybody who has been through the process is, 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 is aware when we select things, you, you know, we, we, you know, we ask you to give us options. Uh, we would not necessarily agree to, I think, something that would be genuinely miserable. Yeah. 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 Which we, we, we talked about, we've been transparent about that process. We asked for weighted choices of three, mm-hmm. but if someone sent us three choices and we didn't think we'd have things to say or we'd be totally miserable during all three, yeah. we would we would not do it. And we would give the person their money back or ask for other choices or it would be a discussion. Yes. Like there are talks yeah. when we do these things. Um, so yeah, so definitely don't feel bad. Um, and I was really happy to do 3D platformer month, not because at the end of it, like I like 3D platformers, but because it's like, well, now I just feel, you know, the service the show serves me uh, is cementing things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I just I feel very much comfortable in that opinion yeah. because I really examined it. Like I sat down and like and, and tested, kicked the tires on that opinion, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on to responses about Psychonauts. Gavin says via contact. Uh, oh, Viva. Viva contact. Sorry, <laughs> um, uh, great app. Strongly agree with the characters and theme being delightful, but the levels are a disaster. The meat circus ranks along the beach dance in GTA San Andreas or Aztec on 007 agent mode as far as plain, painful slogs go. Lungfishopolis stands out in my mind uh, as I was working at Costco and in the middle of the stage, I got a call from my manager asking where I was. Turns out they sometimes adjust schedules with little notice and is the only time I was late for work that summer. Mm. Uh, I played through using GameTap, which for a short amount of time was an excellent and generous service. I uh, keep up the great work. Mimp owns. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Not, Monster uh, not, my podcast. Not, ton, not tons of love for Monster my podcast. I'm always happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. You know, in general. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, it was the one time you were late to work that summer. That's Costco's fault, not yours. And I, not it, totally. Yeah. It definitely not Psychonauts. Definitely Costco's fault. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, Bill says via contact. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed. What, your... what contact? <sighs> via contact. All right. I thoroughly enjoyed your episode on Psychonauts. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> this is more of an anecdote than anything else, uh, but a very similar experience playing this game. My first playthrough of Psychonauts was about four years ago on the PS3. As a fan of Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle, etc., I instantly fell in love with the humor, writing, and charming oddball characters. Uh, it was also one of the few games my wife and I enjoyed together. She doesn't play video games, but she fell in love with the story and the ingenious way the game presents its themes. We fell into a rhythm. My job was to get through the endless collecting and grinding and save the story beats for when we could enjoy them together. Fast forward to the infamous Meat Circus, a hellscape of stakes, coach abuse, and horrendous platforming. The area pushed me to my limit. After hours of fruitless attempts at finishing the level uh, in what would have to be the closest I ever got to a rage quit, I exited 
uninstalled the game and deleted the save file. Not only would I not finish the game, I would never be tempted to try again. To this day, my wife will still bring up Psychonauts and wonder why we never finished it. And my answer is always, you had the pleasure of watching it, but I had the misfortune of playing it. Thanks for an excellent episode. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like coach abuse. <laughs> I don't just know what that general, means. Like, noun, like a hellscape <laughs> of stakes, coach abuse, and horrendous platforming. I think it's, you know, it's Coach Oleander, his abuse that he yeah. suffered, you know, but just like coach abuse. <laughs> just some coach abuse. Like raise awareness of coach abuse. Vote yes on prop yep. 114. You know? Uh, like, no, you drop and give me 20. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. By the end, I'd given so many twenties, I had nothing left to give. Um, like, how many laps can one man give? Um, yeah. The, um, yeah, and and I definitely have had that experience before. Um, the very specific experience of having uh, my my ex wife, you know, be like, "Hey, why don't you play that game that she was enjoying watching?" And me having mm. to be like, "Well." You, you know, it's not it fun. Like, yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't having fun playing it. Like, yeah. you know, and it, it feels bad because they're having fun too. And it is mm-hmm. like a fun, you know, social experiment experience to like yeah. do that. But yeah, it definitely happens. Yep. Um, I say check out and see if, uh, if, if your wife would like watching you play day of the tentacle, which yeah. is funnier and more fun to play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if funnier, but it's still funny. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Doug's contact friend of the show, Doug, uh, via mm-hmm. Viva contact. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you uh, or, or agree that whether you like Psychonauts depends on the transaction you talked about in the episode. For me, it's ultimately a net positive. By admit on my PS4 playthrough, I skipped the Meat Circus and finished the game via YouTube. Correct. I think what's uh, yes, absolutely. I, I think what's so frustrating is that there are 3D platformers of this vintage that control so much better. The one that comes to mind is Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank isn't the height of gaming, but the characters, their verb set, and their weapons all move fluidly and responsively through 3D spaces, not too dissimilar from Psychonauts' wireframes. It just saddens me a little to think that if Psychonauts' story elements had been paired with that level of gameplay and polish, uh, it would have been an unassailable classic instead of the flawed gem we ultimately got. A truly brutal legend indeed. (laughs) I think you mean brutal legend. Brutal legend. Yeah. Um... For sure, Ratchet and Clank is the best controlling of these uh, because it is a third-person twin-stick shooter. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you know, having uh, de-emphasizing platforming in a three D platforming, you know, one of the things that I have learned that I think definitely is that that's a success. Yeah, you know, I'm not into the process of platforming in three D. I don't think it's very good. And the games I like that do it, I like it generally in spite of it. Yes, you know, and even in something like. Psychonauts, which has a lot of other stuff going on, mm-hmm. like the the actual 3D platforming was what caused a lot of the problems. Yeah. You know, it was just uh, fiddly, fiddly mantling, um, you know, fiddly, like weird, false, shitty jumps. Yeah. Do. And then just also just the tedium of doing it to like, you know, things like changing the light. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Gloria's stage play. <laughs> another yeah. uh, another example along the lines of Ratchet and Clank that um, we didn't bring up during the month. But it was brought up uh, in the in the Slack by Paul is that Prince of Persia, uh, Sands of Time, and its follow ups could pretty easily fit into this category as well. Oh um, yeah, and those I, I I I kind of just don't consider those to be part of the genre just because they control so well. It's yeah, that's a, definitely says something. Yeah, you know, yeah, huh. yeah. So it's a uh, yeah. I was expecting more pushback on the Psychonauts episode, like mm-hmm. frankly. Not that I'm not disappointed. Like I don't, I don't like being argued, argued at or added. 
in general, but like I, I, you know, I was expecting more people to go to bat for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it is definitely something where it's a sacred cow that his shine has come off it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, even, even people who love it approach it with clear eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Uh, moving on to uh, Mirror's Edge contact. Uh, Mirror's Edge contact. Fuck, dude. Mirror's Edge content responses. Cole, what does Ilium <laughs> say? Viva contact. Ilium <laughs> says via contact. Uh, <laughs> I just got done with the Mirror's Edge app, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm a noted Mirror's Edge fan. No hard feelings. It's a real quarter bake of a game. It just happens to be extremely my bullshit. Uh, and thought that there were two fun facts about the game that you all would enjoy. One, there's a weird reference to the fictional Slavic country that the first Battlefield Bad Company game takes place at. Uh, it is in one of the elevators. Why is it there? Is this in the Bad Company universe? <laughs> Who knows? Um, it, it could not possibly be any less important. Incredibly strange. Two, there's an Easter egg during a sniper during the sniper sequence. When Kate's escort rounds the bend, look up and shoot the center circle in a square of a of, of nine on a sign. Again, the center circle of a square of nine circles on a sign. A huge non-animated rat model about car sized. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll uh we'll scurry through the street. Again, why is this there? Is it a joke? I truly do not understand. Anyhow, anyhow, uh, that's all I got. Weird game. Fun, too. Sorta. Wish that they delivered on the future noir promise of their storytelling themes, but oh well. Um, uh, yeah. The, uh, the rat thing, I think, is probably a reference to, and I, I can't believe that I didn't bring this up in the episode, but did you notice how unusually huge and conspicuous the rats were in that game? No. Just the normal rats? Like, when you're going through any indoor area... When you first get in, there'll be like a gigantic rat about the size of a basketball that will do like a scurry that made me think for sure it was secretly a butler in Code Veronica or something. <laughs> like it, it does, like it just like, and I was just like, what are these fucking rats? Are these collectibles? Am I supposed to hold onto a gun and shoot them or something? Yeah. Uh, and and never really followed up on on it. Like I chased one of them, but it just went into the wall. Yeah. Um, and that might be what that's referencing because the rat the rat game in Mirror's Edge is very strange. <laughs> so yeah, I never noticed the rats. I mean, I. I saw them but I, the, the, their size didn't stick out to me yeah rats of usual size <laughs> yeah um yeah uh yeah thank you uh Eliam. Mm -hmm. uh jamie says uh via bristol england if they're gonna do it i will go along with it viva okay. bristol england yeah. um mirror's edge is easily the best game i've bought on an impulse it helped that it was old at the time and only cost five uh what is that, what is that pounds is that a pound? All right. No. Five pounds. Um, I never, I always, I always get confused as what a, what a quid is. Uh, quid, quid is, okay. it's, it's just like, uh, think how Americans say bucks. It's, it's okay. one pound. Yeah. Like, like quid, quid is just a slang term for that. I thought quids were, were a different unit nope. of measurement. And they're perhaps. loonies. Loonies and twoonies. Okay. No. Loonies and, so well, see, now, now you're just purposely trying to confuse me. <laughs> no, no. I, I know what a loony is. Yeah. Um, I know what a toonie is as well, um, from, from Canada, but I always got pounds and quids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, because my, my understanding is one quid is one pound in the way that one buck is one dollar. Okay. Every, if, uh, let us know. And then, and then, and then five is snaps. Is snaps. Yeah. That can't be right. Snaps for the Petro. Hmm. Okay. Um, it helps that it was old at the time. It was only five quid i'm going to use that uh the slang because i would say bucks um the feeling you get when you nail a section is unlike anything else making you feel like a parkour god of course this is tempered by the tens of ignominious deaths when practicing the section in the first place once i tried playing through with the options to highlight the relevant bits of train turned off 
It felt unnecessarily masochistic, and I persevered uh, far longer than I should have. I also appreciate the way that guns work in the game. The fact that Faith will die in very few hits and isn't particularly adept at using them means that avoiding them uh, is the name of the game. A real nice change of pace for most games. I haven't got a current gem system, current gen system other than the Switch. When I do, the sequel is high on my list of games to get. Um, that whole bit about um, rehearsing your move before flawlessly pulling it off is something I, I also can't believe I forgot to mention. Yeah. Because it gave me, uh, made me think of Arkham Knight a little bit, like how you're trying to do this like ultimately badass thing, and then just, mm. you just immediately like fall and just break both your legs on the pavement. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just trying to think, like how do how do runners actually survive yeah. uh, this thing? Like it just seems like the very first time you have to do one of these like really really difficult jumps. Yeah, there'd just be piles of corpses everywhere on the ground. It's a huge attrition rate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why you gotta train the cops to be runners. Yep. Yeah. It's direct action. So <laughs> get the cops so, to die in parkour accidents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so something that I just ha- I has appreciated in the time since I've played it uh, is how smoothly they start taking away the um, runner vision highlights over the course of the game. Yeah. I think that is incredibly well tuned. Yeah. 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 I agree. Like, uh, that, that is very good. Um, I also noticed the turning it off thing and I can't imagine, I also can't imagine doing that. Yeah. You know, at least early on, like there's definitely like, I, you know, as much as I didn't love that game again, I thought it was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, there, I definitely, I could never say I didn't like learn from it. Yeah. You know, like I, uh, I did get better at the game through the games mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't understand why you would turn it off for, for me personally, I, I couldn't see any reason to turn, to turn it off because finding my way was nowhere near as satisfying as achieving the flow and the, um, the runner vision helped maintain the flow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, challenge is, you know, the challenge yep. would the other, you know, the, the, the reason why you might do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's my guess. So yeah, I, I just didn't want it. Yeah. It just didn't make sense for me. Totally. Um, Finally here, Lauren says via contact, I adore Mirror's Edge. I played it uh, when it first came out on the Xbox 360 and was immediately hooked. The sense of flow and momentum was just unlike anything that I'd ever played um, and hasn't exactly been matched since, although Titanfall 2 got pretty close. Uh, there is something to there's something to just pelting along the rooftops in this beautiful city, instinctively turning toward red without being cognizant of the level design leading me. I also remember loving the music and the art style um, with very little to say of the story beyond just being happy. The main motivator was Faith's sister and not a love interest or whatnot. Uh, the feeling of this game actually led me to take up running for the, uh, for a while, just to feel a little bit of that again, spoiler running in real life. Isn't as much fun. <laughs> um, the other reason, uh, that this game is important to me is that it taught me how achievements could be impactful to play and context. I remember reading the achievement list before playing and seeing the pacifist achievement, Uh, This gave me more pause for thought on who Faith was as a character, and I decided to do the pacifist run the first time through. Mastering the movement flow to dodge under and past gunfire was exhilarating, and learning some of the more complicated combat maneuvers to knock guards flat rather than murdering them uh, gave me a real feeling of mastery. Absolutely up there with some of the best gaming experiences I've had. Yeah. I'm super glad that it, it clicked with you so hard. Yeah. And that's awesome. Um, I uh, feel like a dummy for not calling out that this is a game that leans on a uh, fraternal or filial relationship. Yeah. That that is something I always bemoan as just kind of not existing. And the fact that your sister is your motivation is very rare and refreshing. 
It, it definitely is. I, I, I think no court would convict you for not calling it out, like just based on the anonymity of like the characters. Oh, right? All of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, that that's a big problem with this. Like the relationship itself is not there's nothing to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just told to us. Yes. That they're sisters. It's not like we get to see them interact or see why they love each other or anything about their history, mm-hmm. really. Or like under, you know, like there, there's there's a bare thread there about something like, oh, like the parents died in the protest and one of them decided to fight the system and one of them tried to change it from within. Mm-hmm. We just don't get any of that, though. Right, in a, right. in a, a frankly boggling choice like that would have been easy to put in, mm-hmm. it feels like, yeah. you know, uh, and instead it's just uh, a bunch of cliches, you know, at least, that, you know, again, our take. Yep. you know, on it. We're like not super impressed, but it is on its basis. It is a familial relationship, which is a good motivation. Yes. Agree. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks everybody Thank for you. your responses. Um, if you have things to say about, uh, August games, mm-hmm. the deadline is August 15th. If yeah. you have things to say about September's games, it's September 15th. Yeah. Um, um August games for people are. who, uh, for people who, uh, need re- re- refreshers with a samurai final fantasy five mm-hmm. and, the last one is Wolfenstein, the new order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, as you, as you know, people who uh, the last one is a premium episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is for patrons. Yes. So you'll hear the, the generalities and then the body of the episode will show up afterwards. Yeah. Um, September, extremely excited about it. Uh, let's get into it. The first game we're doing is Gunstar Heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a patron request. It is a run and gun platformer for the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on um, boss so- fights. Emphasis on boss fights, something that we have been talking about doing for years. Yes. Um, and are finally getting an excuse to do uh, via patron Jerry, mm-hmm. Jerry Khan. Um, second game we're doing, kind of a spicy one. Uh, so the other games we're doing are a little bit shorter because this is so spicy. Because um, we're going to do it one episode, probably going to be a long one. Um, is Fire Emblem, The Sacred Stones. Yeah. Uh, also a patron request from Ben Sapatka. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Fire Emblem games. I wanted to do one for the show for a very long time. I've only Again, ever played the first one. Into it. Yeah. Just the first one? Yeah. Wow, the first, that, that's a the, rough pun, the, dude. The, the first one on Game Boy Advance, yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that, they get uh, easier, cool, and stuff like Fire Emblem Awakening is really great. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a great game. Um, I have played, I you know, Fire Emblem Awakening is actually the only one I've beaten. Mm-hmm. I've kind of poked at all of them because I do like them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that there is like an uh, I can get kind of lost in like keeping the you know Bishan and Sword Boys straight. Yeah, yeah. In this, you know, like that that can be difficult to me yeah. uh, in this game. But I'm looking forward to playing Sacred Stones. Um, I played a, like quite a bit of it, actually, before it was even requested because it's an Ambassador uh, 3DS game. Oh, dang. Yeah. Um, so I, I played that when I first got my Ambassador chip mm-hmm. for the 3DS. Um, it's a good game. Yeah. So looking no, forward to talking uh, about that. When I said, oh, I've, I've, I've only played the first one, I didn't dislike it. It's just that I like, got it on the Game Boy Advance when it came out. I was like, oh, this is cool and good. I just thought you meant like the Nintendo one or something like, oh, like God, no, the no. first one in the series. Cause no. this is a really, really long running series. And like mm-hmm. their early ones are pretty hateful. The, the first one that we officially got here in America. That's what I, yeah. uh, that, that, that is what I, what I intended. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then for the premium episode that month, mm-hmm. something again, we've talked about doing forever. This is episode two fifty, very... mind you. Oh, re- that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it is half life two, mm-hmm. which I started playing, uh, cause I was horny for it. <laughs> and, all I could think of the whole time is that for this kind of cinematic shooter, uh, how come no one is doing this as well? Yep. Like many years after the fact, 15 years, like Gary, 15 years. It is so fucking well paced. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really, really good game. I just finished Ravenholm, which is like one of the best levels of all time. Yep. Um, I, uh, I am super excited to talk about half life too. Yeah. Um, so just the main game, I believe. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> if I'm feeling, yeah, if I'm feeling up for it um, and just because I want to, I might do the DLCs and could like mm-hmm. type five them, but we're not going to cover the, the DLCs in detail. Right. Just because, the game like, itself is is long enough and important enough and there's enough to talk about. Correct. So gravity gun, baby. Ooh, yeah. Um, so super excited again the deadline for responses on those is the 15th of september it is always the 15th yeah at uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact uh if you could possibly separate your responses by game don't get them all mixed up together because that makes it easier for us to include them in the way that we do yeah we'd appreciate it um the uh if you if you enjoy this show please leave us a rating and review um, we really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. If you really enjoy the show and you want to support us and you want to hear all those uh, bonus episodes and like, frankly, an irresponsible amount of stuff, mm-hmm. um, go to patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. Yes. And uh, kick us $5 just gets you a, a billion things. Yes. Um, Slack, uh, those premium episodes, all of them that have ever existed. So not just this month's mm-hmm. um, every episode of bonfire side chat rekindled uh, every episode of unfilmable yep. and bonus episodes of Abject suffering. You just get a lot. Yeah. You know, um, and most importantly, and most remain, uh, come to Duckfest. Please do. Yeah. August, August the 31st. Tickets are $15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no uh, no convenience fee or anything like that. Go to duckfeed.tv slash Duckfest, August 31st. Portland, Oregon at the historic Clinton Street Theater. Um, mm-hmm. Beginning at 930, a, a, a full day of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, six shows from us. Mm-hmm. Different shows and probably some like, you know, little bits and, and bobs yeah. and the like. Uh, and then two local podcasts are also going to perform. Uh, Pitch Please, uh, which is a friend of the show, uh, Carol Main, who joined us on Abject Suffering for Rockin' Cats, mm-hmm. uh, who is a local comic and is hilarious and great. Um, she'll be doing that show with some, some duck feed people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a game of improvising movie pitches. Yeah. Um, and then Spec Script. Uh, which is a uh, local podcast where the concept is people write a script for a TV show they've never seen. Um, they are going to be doing an episode on Duck Dynasty, uh, appropriately <laughs> enough. And I just found out my friend Allison is writing it, which I'm very excited about. Oh, wow. Uh, and I just last Sunday did my first reading for them. Hmm. Um, they do their podcast live uh, once a month is how they record it. And I did a reading for their episode on Rick and Morty. <laughs> and uh, I was very nervous about it because I'm not an actor, uh, you know, so I thought I was going to do a bad job. And I was like, well, they're probably going to give me a really small part. And I had a very big part, uh, which was the villain whose name is Johnny Reddit, who uh, <laughs> who loves uh, loves Rick and Morty and is stealing a time machine to go back in time and suck Nikola Tesla's dick. <laughs> so it's hilarious. It's a very, very funny show. Yeah. Uh, that episode, I will promote the hell out of it when it comes out. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, yeah, so, uh, please come in. You're, you're going to want to see that. Also, Portland is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, our summers tend to be mild. Uh, it's temperatures creeping up a little bit, so I can't make any guarantees about the weather. I'm sorry, but temperatures tend to be mild and, uh, it's going to be a really fun time to be in the city. Yes. Um, and finally, last thing I want to make, bring up recently guested on an episode of the short game, mm-hmm. um, friends of the show, Reagan Kelly. Uh, I talked about cadence of Hyrule. Oh, yeah. So if people are wondering like, oh, Gary played that, but how come he's not podcasting about it? Because he turns all of his life into content. I did podcast <laughs> about it, sucker. And yeah. I did it on uh, the short game and it was a really fun episode. Nice. So um, check them out. They just launched a Patreon as well. Uh, support those guys. Please do. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else? Not that I can think of. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you in a week for Way of the Samurai. Yeah. Take care and umbasa. Umbasa. <laughs>